right surprise it's good oh it's live now all right welcome guys to a brand new poker player podcast i'm your host andres frilly and today's podcast guest is a german player he plays high stakes some of the biggest tournaments in the world he has four wcp bracelets he has 80 million in cashes and is well known as not only a GTO, but you also a DTO wizard. Welcome to the Poker Player Podcast, Dominic Nietzsche. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, see if we can right. answer some fun questions. <laughs> cool. Let's let's get started. So the first thing I want to ask you is, I mean, you got into poker in 2006. That's been a very long time ago, I feel like. And uh, what was your start mm -hmm. like getting into poker? How did you, did you uh, start the game? Yeah, well... Pretty much get into poker like anyone else. Uh, I think in school, you know, someone watched it on TV, and then we all started watching it together. Eventually, watched the World Series back then, and then we all decided we'd all make our own little home game. You know, we we play sit and goes and whatnot, and then we just eventually find like online sites because we all wanted to get better at poker, right? So we googled how to get better at poker, ended up finding Poker Strategy, and uh, yeah, couple <laughs> I signed up, you know. Uh, played a couple of free rolls online. My friends signed up, also played a couple of free rolls online. I was lucky enough to get things going. Uh, they weren't. And uh, yeah, I'm still here like a couple of years later playing the same game. All right, awesome. Did you have like a, a breakthrough moment these first few years in the single, or did you just you know grind it up from like the lowest from that deposit and never look back? Well, I started with uh, you know, uh, playing free rolls, playing I believe three dollars sitting goes on ultimate bet back in the day. That's where I had my first major breakthrough. Uh, really good bankroll management, obviously. You know, fifty dollars, you take three dollars, and you <laughs> sitting goes. Uh, completely crushed the sitting goes on ultimate bet. Uh, yeah, no, ran it up. Mm, that's just what happened. I played sitting goes until well, pretty much for two years, just sitting goes. Uh, back when they were still good. Uh, yeah, I would get up to. $100 hit and goes on full tilt back in the day. There's a lot of rake back. Uh, so that was nice. I would just grind those for ages and ages. And eventually, I I always just played tournaments on the side. You know, I'd just be like, oh, no tournaments. I, back then, I was still in high school. So I needed school holidays to play the late session because back then, America was still online. So all the tournaments were in the evening. So I would then eventually play $11 tournaments and all that stuff. And I, I still remember that in my first school holidays. I had a... $900 score and $11 tournament. But uh, I was pretty much just a sit and go player for the most time. Uh, yeah, tournaments were just fun for me until eventually the games kind of died down in sit and goes. They were really tough at the 109s, they were really tough at the 215s. There was not much traffic. So I decided I'm just going to fire up every single tournament I see on the, on the schedule. And uh, we'll go from there. And uh, yeah, so I would go, I would go come back from school fire up every single tournament I see, and then go to sleep at around uh, 3 in the morning uh, and wake up at 7. And that was my life, pretty much. Okay. Was there a ever like a huge setback for you during those years between like 2006 and 2000, let's say 12, where your bankroll actually took quite a hit because of a downswing? Or did you just, you know, very smoothly with solid bankroll management grind it up? Or was it some setback? Uh, well, with tournaments, you know, you can't just... <laughs> with tournaments, it's pretty much impossible to have this smooth graph that goes like this. Uh, I mean, 
as I was saying, in certain goals, when I realized the games were getting tough and there was just not much money, there was like obviously some sort of like downfall. I wasn't just winning everything and realizing this is not good, you know, because if you win, you, you, keep, you, you kind of think it's, you know, oh yeah, you know, it goes like this forever. But yeah, obviously, if you play tournaments, uh, there will be a couple swings that are far bigger than you would ever imagine. You know, you go down 10,000. And if you're some kid in high school who's just getting started, you know, losing 10,000, it just doesn't feel that nice. It still doesn't feel nice today. Um, but yeah, the game is just the game. And I was kind of fortunate enough to not have had anything too, you know, too soul crushing. You know, I always, I would always be able to grind it back up, you know, and just had a couple of big scores in my career. So that's nice. But yeah, moving up the stakes actually was a very smooth uh, progression. There was never, there was never a stake where I, where I sat there and said, I can't beat those guys. It's just, um, not because I'm a super genius, but rather because the games were just that easy. You know, back then, um, $100 tournaments probably weren't much tougher than $10 tournaments. So it was just a matter of grinding up the bankroll. Um, grinding, I was good at. You know, I just, as I said earlier, I just fire up everything. So, uh, yeah, tournaments were just super easy back then. So that's the real truth. And, uh, yeah, so, mm -hmm. so, so for the swings are tough, though, yeah. For the, for the viewers also to understand here, um, what... You know, I mean, you were in high school. At what point, I mean, or what bankroll was it like 50K, 100K, or like at what bankroll point did you decide to go all in and say, well, you, you know what, I'm going to go all in on poker. This is what I'm going right. to do for the next 10 years or five years or just next year or for however long, and I'm not going to get a job. Uh, pretty much never because it just sort of happened. I, I was okay. Yeah, I mean, you're just looking at it as a game. You know, I was just like, oh, you know, I'm in high school, I get to play this game all the time, I don't really enjoy high school that much. So, yeah, I was just playing, playing, playing. And uh, I remember very clearly on my eight, just like a couple of weeks before my 18th birthday, I broke 100K uh, in profit. So that was a pretty big number. And I was like, oh, that's, that's a big number, you know? And you see that you, you're sort of happy with that number and you're like, well, I kind of want to see what I can turn it into. Uh, so that's when I decided I'm going to try to take a shot at a couple of live tournaments. Uh, way back then there was uh, Aussie Millions just a couple months later. It's always been my dream to play Aussie Millions. It's a beautiful place, you know, a kid, as a kid from a small town in Germany, who gets to go to Australia? And so that's the one I set my mind to. And I actually ended up winning a qualifier on B-Win just right after I turned 18. Uh, it was really nice. So that was very helpful to win, <laughs> to win that. Mm, yeah, and then basically from there on out, I decided, oh, this live poker thing is actually really even softer than online but like i can make a whole bunch of money here and these guys have no idea what they're doing this is great so i uh, i guess i made a real decision to just go for it in january 2019 uh 2009 obviously yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but but i was still still in school you know and i was still uh yeah you know you're you're a kid back then when you're 17 18 you're just looking at yeah. the game with it's fun to see the numbers on the screen go up. You know, you don't think of it as actual money you can do, buy stuff with. And then a couple of months later, I ended up uh, winning LAPT Argentina. And uh, that was pretty much the moment where I said, well, you know what? I'll just play some more poker. This is kind of easy. Yeah, it's all easy. So uh, for the careful listeners as well, before you had, had, were 18, you hit that 100K. So did you, ended up, did you end up cashing out all that money or did the sites confiscate something? Ooh, 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 ooh. No, I got I got to keep all the money. Okay. 
that uh, is good. Like if you get it out early enough, but did at some point you have to change the, the username or something because they found out? Well, this is the thing, right? If you Google my username on stars, you can just go way back to 2007. Oh, okay. So I got, there's no point in me keeping this a secret because if yeah. you just type in my username, you will eventually see when I started playing. Also, uh, shout out to Poker Firma who uh, Rosie wrote a great article about me way back then saying, how is this possible that Dominic uh, has statistics going back to 2007 if he only just turned 18? And I said, well, you know, it's again, this is between me and uh, the site, obviously. Sure. And uh, but, I don't know. But, but um, in, in, in the in econ or economics, um, and there's, there's this five to 10 year thing where at some point, I think, you know, um, economically, you let go of that stuff, I guess. And I guess. No, of course, of course, <laughs> let go of that stuff. I was just joking around because, you know, no. it's, it, it, everyone pretty much knows I started playing when I was 16. And uh, yeah. it, it's not a big deal. I, I'm assuming mm -hmm. it's a much bigger deal now. But back then, uh, yeah, back then, I guess the sites didn't care as much. Mm -hmm. So that's good to, hear, to get away with it. I mean, I, I know. Don't do it nowadays, guys. That's not what I'm saying, yeah. you know. <laughs> Don't, be don't do it, guys. Don't play now, now it's like, now it's dangerous. Don't don't do it. But, yeah, you, you're um, gonna lose all your money. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think they're I, gonna be pretty strict on I that. Just, I just believe right now there's no point in me, you know, keeping it secret. You know, it's yeah. You find it out in two minutes if you want to, anyway. Yeah, of course. So now that uh, you are you have made that transition to live poker, you mentioned that you saw that. In those years, it was so incredibly soft. And back then, you know, at some point in 2012, 13 solvers became a little bit more popular. This PO solver in No Limit Hold'em. Um, when did you start working with solvers? Dum, 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 dum. I, I, yeah, I mean, roughly like two years or. Or did you? Or did you also see? Fairly early on, I think. Uh, certainly for tournament players, must have been among the first ones to start using it. Uh, yeah, 2000, came out in 2012, did it? That early? I don't remember. Probably. I mean, I oh. for sure haven't used PO Solar before 2014, I think. And 14. I, I haven't used it as much. Yeah. 14, 15, possibly? Could be. 15. So. Yeah. When do I mean this is now pretty much also a couple of years? When did you notice like people using these programs more often? I, I guess you, we can fire the oh, shots later yeah. about people who will never go use on to shot. <laughs> no, actually, you can say that um, there's a progression there. Uh, you know, you can back then you used to go to America and you could clearly see that no one had any idea what they were doing in 2012. 13. Uh, and then obviously all these guys you see at the higher stakes, they got so much better. And I would say there's been a recent progress, say, I want to say recent as a year, a year and a half, where a bunch of guys that were sort of thought of as like mediocre wrecks that you could win a bunch of money from, uh, they've improved tremendously. And uh, well, occasionally you would sit, like, sit next to them on the table and you'd have uh, them looking at Monker Solver on their phones and you kind of, that's, that's when you figure out that you're like, wait a second, maybe maybe these guys just finally uh, catching on to what we've been doing for years. And um, the thing is with solvers is once you dedicate time to it, you'll improve much quick, uh, really, really quickly, right? So uh, 
before you were beating these guys for a really good win rate, and now they are sort of on your level. Um, because the way it works with solvers is you can get a lot of it out pretty quickly. And if you want to get like a lot more out, you can still do so, but the edge you get from that is very tiny in comparison, right? So for me to like have an edge on someone like this, maybe I have a slight edge. Uh, it's probably not enough to ever quantify in a real game. So I'm just, you know, playing for uh, much smaller edges these days. And uh, yeah, that's certainly a progression that's happened at the higher stakes. And I think that's something anyone can benefit from as well uh, to get this point because if you are at this point you're certainly going to be crushing life 5ks possibly 10ks fairly easily you know it's not that hard to get to that level where you can completely beat uh, all these guys that haven't done any solver study hmm. so yeah i mean i've heard you also in in different podcasts and you were talking about solvers and people who are not using it and that you just can literally feel the edge at the table when you know or you just have a lot of confidence because you've worked all these hours on solvers and you know that if people haven't done that, um, you believe that the intuitive uh, thoughts that we have in poker, they're never going to be as good a, as, you know, what you work out in solvers, right? Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much. Uh, this, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's the same in any game, you know, humans can be as smart as they want. They're never going to be as smart as a machine. Uh, it's 2019, guys, you know, it's... it's the uh, AI, AI is so far ahead of us in any in anything, uh, and certainly a game which is entirely numbers, which is poker. Uh, I, I bet on the uh, machine, you know. Mm -hmm. Could you think of a of a spot or what spot do you think? Maybe two years or th uh, three years ago, you don't, obviously don't have to mention anything from the games now. But let's say right. you discovered a spot from two three years ago that people now corrected on on the highest stakes, but uh, that was maybe way off intuitively um, compared to what a solver would say? Um, it. Narrowing it down to spots, I just go with something very generic and say bet yeah. sizing, you know? Uh, people in people used to have like, people would used to play like imaginary pot limit. They would think, oh, I can't bet more than the pot, you know, this is a pot. And overbets would be used very incorrectly, if at all. Um, that's one thing. And that's too boring of an answer. It's also the opposite, you know, like a quarter quarter pot or less bet was never really used by a human in any way. And now it's uh, very common to see it used correctly on the turn and river in exactly the right spots. And also another one, um, very simple, is uh, C-betting when you have a range advantage and not C-betting when you don't. So, yeah, just overall, I want to say bets. Does that make sense? Uh, there's just so much that's changed there that I don't want to single out one. But like all these things, if you put them together, and back then you were playing against a guy who's sort of good, but he doesn't like see bad enough, and he like doesn't over bad enough, then it's sort of easy to play those guys. And yeah, I don't know why someone's calling me. They that person knows I'm on the podcast. Hang on, what's that? See doing? Okay, sure. Second. Okay. Um, yeah, but back then, uh, bet sizings mostly uh, were just way off across the board. People would tend to just bet half the pot all the time. And uh, yeah, nowadays there's just much much more variety when it comes to bet sizing. People have just figured it out in the last few years that they can implement more of that. So when you when you then um, went on to do a lot of solver studies, when did you come up with the idea? I also want to uh, go over to also your new project that's now live for I think a week, uh, DTO Poker. Right. When did you come up with that idea? 
Oh, we can't. Marcus and I uh, came yes. out for DTO uh, almost a year ago uh, to this day. Uh, yeah, Marcus, good friend of mine, a uh, former horse. So I used to stake him for tournaments and uh, I wanted to get him ready for the high stakes because he had a bunch of the party poker life dollars that we wanted to uh, get rid of rather quickly. Wanted to put them all into play in the Bahamas or something as fast as possible. So we had a bunch of coaching sessions. Uh, yeah, and like we thought that like traditional ways of coaching weren't as effective. So eventually it just got to a point where I tell him, okay, you have this end, this is the board. Now you have to play it across the solver and I'll, I'll just run you through it and uh, I'll tell you where you go wrong. And also any hand he played would then be checked against the solver afterwards. So he'd have something to learn on his own time where I wasn't around. He could just take his hands, cross-reference my database and then compare it to solver outputs. And we found that he's learned extremely quickly doing this. Mm -hmm. Now, when he did this, um, he got much more confident. He um, started recognizing patterns much faster. And so for him, it wasn't so much about looking at the charts. It was more about you know playing and getting immediate feedback that helped him a lot. So one day he just said to me, you know what? We should just turn this into an app because if we turn it into an app, a lot of people are going to like this. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what people want. So I said, I don't know, can we make enough money out of this? Is this really worth it? And uh, it's been a lot of work. Uh, yeah, but feedback's been good so far. So I think people do like it. And uh, yeah, I hope this continues. Yeah, so for all you guys here in the chat who, who don't, uh, don't know what DTO Poker is yet, DTO Poker is a GTO app that shows you 20 big blind and 30 big blind stack sizes in tournaments. And it basically gives you a hand uh, versus another hand in a single race pot where you don't have to make a choice uh, what bet size to choose or, to, of course, to check. And um, then the app will give you feedback in-game or while you do this hand, and then you basically get to know whether you have made the right choice. And you are going to be able to see that in the link in the description below um, after the stream. I'll put a link down there so you can all find uh, DTO Poker as well. Um, is there anything else that uh, you would like to add uh, to that? I mean, that's, I meant that, sum, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's what the app does. Uh, yeah, because everyone's just going to ask when's the more deeper stack spots, and the answer to that is most likely next month. So, mm -hmm. and what stack depth would you add in first, like fifty or? Uh, we're going to go up to fifty. Uh, we have yeah. we're thinking we're going to release twenty more uh, situations. Uh, yeah, up to 50. It's going to be like all the way up to 50. There's going to be some more short stake stuff. Um, there are some 40 bit lines. Yes. Anything, anything. The goal is anything. We can, we can put in what the users want, really. And, and, and you mentioned that you were coaching Marcus and, uh, you know, his success was, was rather quickly. And I, I think on DTO poker, you also see his graph and how it changes um, after you've been coaching him with solver output and then comparing with the database. And uh, so what was the time span? Because I didn't see that. I just read, uh, was going over it a bit quickly, mm -hmm. but what was like the time span, not the a number of tournaments, but the time span that happened? Time span for him. Uh... Must have just been a, just been, must have just been a couple of months because I wasn't staking him for that long. Okay. Uh, we started working together in December the year before, and then we really he started grinding from January. So the graph must have sort of been January mm -hmm. until he pretty much stopped. Yeah, it starts in January two thousand eight, and then okay. in, Nove in November he pretty much stopped playing to uh, work full time on the DTO. Mm -hmm. So uh, like the 
the last couple hundred games he just played on the side, but pretty much 90% of the volume must have come from January until November. Okay, so the entire last year, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Yeah, r- roughly. Okay. So yeah, if you guys want to also check that out, you can find it on the website as well. And uh, that's like an example of someone you coach. And um, yeah, I think the overall approach of like, I think coaching in general should be that you teach somebody to learn by himself. Because I think when people are looking for a coach, what they really want is that they they are going to be independent learners. Like, of course, a lot, a lot of people, they also want the magic pill and they just want to be good. Like you turn them into someone in poker and it's really not the goal. But um, I think that you just help them improve by themselves because otherwise, what would they need a coach for if they can do it all by themselves anyway? And then sometimes it might be even better to tell them, look, you can do that all by yourself. Why don't you give it a try? But then if you need some help, uh, you know, I can still coach you. So what was your take on, on it? Is that more or less summing it up? This sounds pretty good. Uh, what I want to say is uh, a coach can be helpful, obviously, you know, uh, otherwise you won't know where to look. Maybe you don't know how to operate a solver. Maybe you just get confused along the way and you just focus on the wrong questions using a solver. A solver is not that easy. So uh, it definitely helps to have someone along with you for the right to at least work you into this, uh, sort of explain the key concepts to you. And then when it comes to reviewing hands, I don't see too much need um, to like be the one doing the review all the time. You know, you can do it for your students and it's helpful. But also if you give them the tools along the way and say like, look, if I'm not available because I play a lot of live poker, I have the, the app I'm working on, so I can't always be there for you, but you have access to my database, you can cross-reference everything with solutions. And if you then have any questions, then you can come to me. Um, I find that's a very helpful process a lot of people have uh, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of people, what they're looking for in a coach, and which I think is exactly the wrong way, you know, they, they're looking for a some uh, some leader that teaches them everything, you know, that's always right. And, uh, you know, they, they don't mis- make mistakes. You know, like people, people look at um, their coaches as a sort of gods almost that don't have leaks in their game, which is obviously not true. I have leaks in my game. And I know every single other person who plays high stakes has leaks in their game, as small as they may be. So what I always try to say is don't take anything a human being tells you as gospel. You know, it's like, yeah, they're, they're probably right. But it's not 100% they're right. And certainly they make mistakes as well. So you should, um, if you want to get really good, you got to study on your own time. And, uh, you know, if you want to ask a coach for an opinion, that's fine. But always keep in mind that, you know, it's their personal opinion. And unless you've verified it, it's probably not best to just blindly trust it, you know? Would, would you even go as far and say that somebody who, um, who basically, in quotes, retired, but has access to solvers and would teach with solvers, um, could actually be a good coach as well uh, compared to somebody who has incentives to not teach you everything potentially. And basically, um, because that's that's a little bit the thing about coaches, I think that, you know, there's always the incentive, especially if somebody's like playing in your game to basically not take someone on as a student. I'm sure that you've had maybe requests even in, in high stakes players that say, you know, can you tell me what my leaks are? And then you would have to mention him at a really high price. Well, of course, you know, there's, um, is there really any incentive to give everything away if you make it, you know, a tournament course, you know, is there like a lot of incentive to provide a good product? Um, or is it just more incentive to make it sound nice so people buy it? You know, that's, that's just uh, the game, unfortunately, you know, you don't know. And I find that there's a lot of products out there that do take advantage of uh, 
customers who um, who just don't know any better. You know, they they see a course and like it's their over. You know, they have like this new guy who won a bunch of stuff, teaching them stuff, and then they take the, their word as gospel. You know, would it's, you go, um, would you go as far as quantit quantify that or like um, mention one think, program one way or the other? Would you vouch for a program? Uh, not for a program. Uh, I'm assuming Fado's new one is pretty good. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, obviously, because it's not out yet, but sure. I'm looking forward to uh, Fado and Matthias' product because I, I'm kind of, I'm friendly with both of them and yeah. I assume they will put out a good product. Uh, and that's not to say that all the other products are bad. I'm just saying that every product someone puts out there is not going to be perfect, right? Um, so whatever they teach you, you know, it's, it's not always perfect. And I think actually what's going to be different about their course is that they work very extensively with solvers as well. So I actually think that if I'm looking for a program, uh, a course to recommend, it would be their course because I know how good Matthias is for solvers. And uh, we almost asked him to work with us on uh, on DTO as well. But uh, yeah, as I said, the thing is always be careful who you're buying from, you know? And uh, just because someone tells you something that sounds good, uh, as, as you said, you know, like, why, why would someone give you away all the secrets, you know, and especially got to be careful if they, they use some sort of like simulation just to make a point, you know, or something like if it's, it's actually really tough to say that, you know, you got to be really in tune with the solvers and everything. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, it's actually really hard to say who's just telling you a bunch of, uh, what do you call that? Basically, just making something sound like great, but, you know, really, it's just, that's good but they make it sound like it's the greatest thing in the world that's probably when someone is lying to you that's a very very good thought i think it's uh you know that there's always incentives to basically you know also in wording i learned a lot uh, from like some just business videos where people would you know sell courses and they would use words as instant access and like all these these new words in business where you would use for for basically we're, guilty of, we're guilty of that too, you know, before you say it, we're guilty of that too, obviously. And it's yeah. just, you know, that's just the game, you know, you, those words work. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just the, the marketing game. Uh, it's just not I'm not a, game. a marketing guy, but I'm also, I'm also far too honest. You know, I don't, one thing I very, uh, was very careful on our website is that everything that says it on there is actually, that's a hundred percent spot it's on. You know, it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. That you don't come up with some something random and, and promise. No, no, no. Yeah, we got numbers that sound good, but there's not nothing's lie. There's no lie. Okay. So, uh, is there anything else that uh, you would want to mention about DTO poker um, uh, that uh, you would like people to know? Or I'm just yeah. I just take questions if people have questions. Um, it's it's sort of hard for me to answer uh, questions because. A bunch of other stuff, you know, people have been asking in our Discord, and I try to be very present there and always answer that. Twitter, I, I've been engaging a lot with uh, customers, and uh, yeah, so it's very difficult for me to say what people want to know. Just uh, yeah, so far I've been happy with the feedback, and mm -hmm. and uh, also enjoy here in the podcast. What's the price range uh, you will have? Like right now, it's ten dollars a month, or what was it, twenty? Ten. Uh, the goal for that was actually very simple. We just wanted to be accessible to everyone. And the reason for that is quite simple. We're just very confident in what we're selling. It's just, it's that simple. You know, I said, like, we want to do something where everyone can learn from, and we don't want it to be exclusive at the bottom tier. So we're just thinking, 
we, we want to roll out the ten dollar tier first, uh, get a bunch of feedback, see how it goes, and then sort of go from there. And yeah, well, ten dollars. I think it's affordable for everyone who plays the micro stakes. Uh, has heard of solvers? Is kind of intimidated by them because they're too expensive, too confusing, and whatnot. So I, I believe that there's um, room to teach everyone some concepts that they can learn from for the price of ten dollars a month. And what we're going to do is we're going to change up the spots every couple of weeks so people can practice in different spots and uh, get them some good value for their ten dollars every couple of weeks. And then future plans include uh, fairly soon going to launch a new tier, much more geared towards professionals, obviously higher priced. It's gotta be, and yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of exciting things in there. So we're not just doing something for the recreational, but there will also be something for the real high stakes professional, and it's got some sick features. So will will that include like also having access to the back end of it or the the souls or the the sims themselves in Pio? No, absolutely not. We're not giving away back end access to anything. But it's gonna be more like think more like a more advanced tool to analyze your play. For example, you can play a hundred hands, and you're gonna get it. A feedback score afterwards to see where where you deviate, how you deviated, how much you're losing, and all that stuff. So it's going to be much more of this. Uh, in the distant future, there's going to be some ICM situations. Very distant future. Um, yeah, we're going to do probably around 20 playable spots, uh, 15 to 20. Um, yeah, but you're going to be able to play offline. It's in the works. So there's like all these cool things that we have planned. Mm -hmm. And uh, also one thing that a lot of people asked for is a uh, Population mistakes, you know, so you can see like, oh, how many people make mistakes here and there. So like all that good stuff we can do in the future. It's just currently in the works. So we're we're hoping we can all throw that out there eventually. But we don't want to give access to uh to a complete uh, situ uh, simulation. Mm -hmm. That's not how our system is set up anyway, <laughs> quite honestly. And also, for now we don't want to. And this, however, may change in the future. Okay, sure. Um... Now, recent or recently, like in the last couple of years, the more and more solvers become prominent, uh, people have been become afraid of the solvers. That you know, the more people that have access to it, it will kill all the games. What would we tell people who think that you know solvers are so bad for the poker industry and they're going to kill all the games? Well, okay, um, <laughs> solvers are just a tool, like any other tool, to get better at poker. Just like. Uh, poker stove, yes, just like poker stove was back then, just like card runners EV was after that, just like ICMI that was for sit and goes, and all these other programs. They're all just programs to help you get better at poker. I like to compare it to chess personally, where in chess, there's all these supercomputers out that you can run on your phone and no human can beat you. Well, thankfully, we're not quite there yet in poker, but. I don't think that ruins the game. It's just that it puts the game on a much more advanced level if you want to play it competitively. If you want to beat a fish, you don't need a solver for that. You just need to sit there and play about as boring, tight as you possibly can, and the fish will eventually give you all their money anyway. That's how the game works. But if you want to compete against the best and the best, much like chess, back, much like chess or backgammon, uh, you're gonna to have to put in the hours. That's never been different. You know whether you put the hours in with Pyro Solver. Or poker stove, as I said earlier, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's just that now we have more efficient tools, you know. Much like there's no much better chess programs. It's um, yeah, actually, I find it really fascinating that new programs come out. It makes it more fun. Uh, certainly for me, put the game on a much higher level. And uh, yeah, actually, what I what I want to say is I find it actually it makes the game more accessible because before then, getting this information 
was really, really hard and it was taking so much time. But now you can get this information uh, much more quickly, you know, even for $10 a month on your phone. And that's uh, one thing that I find very interesting in the game is that mm -hmm. everyone gets better. Yeah. Everyone gets better, you know, and the information is always going to become more and more accessible. Just part of the game there, if you guys, it's just $10 yeah. a month. You can already improve at, at poker a lot more, yeah. or um, yeah, more quickly than, than you know years ago. And uh, what I also wanted to mention to that is that you know the only thing that I believe that makes it a, a little bit of a deadly combination with the improvement, because I wouldn't worry about like people improving because you can improve yourself too. You have the same methods like the solvers, you can do the same thing, just better. You can work harder, you can outwork people. But the only thing that makes it different uh, from chess and, and all these other games that are skill, high, heavily skill-based, especially in the long run, is that you have this other force of rake, which uh, basically makes it a non-zero sum game anymore. And then at some point when people actually don't allow you to have as high of a win rate against them anymore, you will just yeah have a problem basically and i think exactly. for the high stakes this gets a little bit, bit um solved by a having you know business people in there who have a lot of uh, very high loss rates basically and also the rake is actually substantially lowered from a 10 percent uh, tournament fee down to two percent and sometimes rake free um yeah, is yeah. there anything what what you know what people could do? Like at the mid stakes, the games are always going to be a little bit softer. But what if the rake forces, especially like cash games online, um, I would say especially at the, mm -hmm. at the entry levels, they are sometimes quite annoying um, because you have such a high rake and you actually need to be substantially better than your opposition uh, in order to move up and build your bankroll. Yeah, so, I mean ex exactly, the rake is a huge issue. Uh, that I quite frankly think isn't talked enough about. Um, just to give you my perspective from the high stakes, as, as we uh, talked about before the podcast, there's British Poker Open going on right now, which is a really good idea, really fun tournament structure. I actually like the event, but there is just no fun players. And, uh, you know, it's, it's problematic to play those games where, as, we just, as you just said, you know, the edges, the edges have become so small. And what's, what's the point of even playing? You know, the edges are so small. You know, that's the reason why high stakes heads up cash died because everyone's sort of playing, either they have a bot or they're playing like a bot. So, so close that it almost doesn't matter if you're playing a bot, right? That's why high stakes heads up no limit died. Uh, that's why high stakes heads up PLO only runs with a complete fun player in the mix. Uh, it's the same with, no, you know, games only run if there's a really big fun player at high stakes. And that's because everyone is so good. Uh, Everyone's so good to a point where the low rake doesn't even matter anymore. I think people, people pretty much wouldn't even battle if it was no rake, as we can see in the British Poker Open right now. And that's kind of messed up, and I don't know how to fix that. Um, you know, unless a fun player shows up, no one wants to battle. I yeah, certainly don't want to battle. for the stakes, I guess. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know what to do about it because I don't want to go play 100K against the best in the world. Uh, just for a little bit of rake back, you know, it's just not enough money for me. You know, like one per, you get 1% back. Is that really like worth the time to travel there, sit there for hours in a game where you might be minus EV just so they can put on a show? I mean, no. So I don't, I don't really know what to do about this. Um, well, yeah, obviously. In, on, on the other yeah. hand, do you get motivated by the lineup itself, by being able, 
Um, like, how does it feel to play a field where you feel like you have maybe a 1%, 2% ROI or something, or maybe even half a percent ROI? Um, right. Would you do it for the competition or does it like, you know, technically if everyone's like almost at the same level and you're like half a percent better to win than the yeah. other guy in terms of ROI, is it then not a game of gambling all of a sudden because you have no skill well, but Exactly, right? And also, quite honestly, isn't it just a waste of time? Because I, if you just, you gotta not just look at it like, oh, can I make like maybe a couple hundred bucks by sitting here, you know? Or could I just sit at home, grind the grind the online series, you know? Uh, that's more fun. I'm in the convenience of my home. Get to hang out with people I like, you know, and I enjoy my environment and just all these things, you know. So you gotta factor in uh, opportunity cost as well. And then suddenly, this doesn't look very attractive anymore to just play like a tournament. That's not really worth it. If there were a bunch of recreationals, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. I'd be in London playing the 100K. Uh, but yeah, truth be told, it, do it doesn't, um, yeah. You just don't battle, you know? You don't go out to battle the best in the world for substantial money. Because also, as we said earlier, in the 100K, you know, we all sell a bunch of actions. So should I just go to my backer and say like, look, I want to play this 100K. I cannot guarantee you that I'm even profitable, but I want to have some fun and battle against the best. The guy's just going to tell you, I'm just going to What's wrong with you? Okay. Yeah. Sure, it's not only it's, it's, on you to invest constantly, but also your back. Right, I, I wouldn't do it anyway. Yeah. You know, like possibly other people, you know, in the business have those backers who just tell me, yeah, go play this, you know. And yeah, apparently there are some guys they that they have like from their own role or they have some backers who think it's a or great thing to battle with it others. But uh, some people yeah. just pretend to play from their own role to look like big shots on social media. Anyway, that could be true as well. well I mean, recently, true, but it's, 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 uh, what would you like? We had that one million dollar tournament, uh, one million pound tournament, biggest uh, poker tournament in history. Uh, what do you yeah. What are your thoughts on people having pieces of themselves? And I would also want to know about your thoughts about Brain Kenny because he okay, uh, people people are having pieces of themselves. Let everyone have whatever they want. You know, it's a who am I to tell people how much money they're supposed to put up? I don't Did know you? their financial circumstances. I don't care. And like, let people play as they want. There is no uh, written rule against it. And uh, just, I don't know. How, how what much would you what, 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 How much would you have guessed that he had? Because it was like, I was like uh, debating. With... <laughs> I know. Okay, somewhere between 1% and 99%. And, uh, genuinely, with, with Brin Kenny, you don't yeah. know. <laughs> Love the guy. I love Brent Kenny, but eh, you don't know how much money he put up. He, he said 50%. Uh, for his sake, I hope it's true. Uh, yeah, but do you really know for sure? That's all I'm saying, right? You didn't see it. You don't see his bank account, how much money he got there and how much he got to keep, right? Of course. Of course. So basically, whether I tell you that I always have 100% of myself because, you know, I'm rich from, you know, I could just tell a bunch of people I'm rich from outside of poker and I just play 100Ks for fun. And then no one would know that I, you know, I'm staked. You know, you just, you don't know anyway, right? That's my point. So who are we to speculate about something we have no way of proving, right? There's like, I saw a bunch of shit saying like, oh, Christoph has 5% in the, that was, that was the funniest thing I read. They said, Christoph has the smallest piece of themselves in that thing. And everyone thinks Bryn Kenny has the, the biggest piece of themselves in the thing. Like, just how do you know this? Because of the attitude, yeah. yeah. Just because Christoph is German, you know, this is this thing all over again where they, they don't like him. And that's why they say he has the smallest piece and he's only staked. 
I can tell you one thing. Christoph did not have the smallest piece. This is not even remotely close to true. There, there you have it. <laughs> this is just insider knowledge now. <laughs> the that's that's the worst guess ever. I'm sorry. That's that was fucking terrible. Yeah, I mean, they, they, I mean, they were, I think the guess was though that uh, who was the guy playing under Leon? Um, uh, Martin Cabrera. Yeah, Cabrera. Possible. Possible. I don't know. But, but yeah, in the end, uh, I think I in poker. Care. I don't care either. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter much. But in poker, what's really interesting is like people in general, not just in poker, but they they think they know a lot more than they actually do. And in poker, it's just so deceptive uh, because it's just so easy to think you know something. And I think one of the uh, maybe you put it in your own words, but the most overword, uh, overused word is like exploitative and GTO. Like I think this Ooh, is supposed yeah. to be this, and people haven't run a single scene for it, and they just think, oh, of course, okay. yeah. And well, I, I'm sure I've done it more often two years ago, three years ago, but have become a lot more careful. Also observing high six players and realizing like how the attitude was among some of the best. And then that they would say, you know, they're not sure and, and they are going to have to, you know, look at the spot. And they, you know, just express such a little amount of certainty about something uh, that that just sets one of the most important skill sets for a high stakes player, I think. And that is to um, give something the benefit of a doubt and uh, basically then, you know, try to move on forward and try to better that uh, and, you know, work it out by yourself afterwards. And, and I think one, one guy... Mm -hmm. One guy who was sort of ahead of the curve of that is uh, Ben Salsky. His run at once videos would always just be him saying, eh, I'm really not sure what to do. Yeah, I suppose this is fine sometimes. Dup, 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 like sand. And then you just, and a lot of people would say to him, I don't like this video. You're not giving me any real information. You're just saying, This is fine, and that is fine, and this is fine, and that is fine. And then like, a couple of years later, every high stakes tournament player in the world is exactly the same. They're all like, Yeah, this is fine, and that is fine. You know, Pius is to this sometimes. Uh, and that's really the truth here. Um, a lot of decisions are fine. You know, you can do a lot of things. And it's most important to learn to not completely screw up and not make any completely terrible plays. Uh, yeah, uh, a lot of guys who, who try to teach you, no, this is right, and that is right. It's what I was saying earlier. They have an agenda. They want to sell you something. They want you to look at them as the overlord who has all the right answers while the truth is much more nuanced like we were just saying yeah well actually you can do this sometimes and you can do this sometimes but most of the time you should be doing this but if you're trying to sell someone something what well clearly which one sounds better you know which one's going to get you more sales so yeah, I, I think that was there was like a, really, a moment as well. It was like two years ago or so, where you know PLO, Monker Solver, The Sims, they got more and more prominent as well. And it was like this guy, and he asked me, you know, is this a C bet? And I'm like, I've, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, you know, no, it's like know. Queen A three rainbow board. Uh, you got like A screen, blah blah. And I mean, it's probably like super close in EV. What are you bet or check or C bet? I, yeah, I don't know. Really, yeah. Yeah, and then you know you could check back and protect your check back range a little bit, or you could bet. And then when you get check raised, if you have a backdoor flush draw, you can continue. And then yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a it's dependent on the check raising range and how much equity you would have against the bluffs and how much yeah your removal of the other three cards would affect it. But in the end, you don't know. And yeah, uh, the more the more uh, the developed I think you get as a poker player, the more you realize that you're not going to answer this is a C bet, but it's like. You know, mentioning reasons or mentioning uh, more said like 
you know, what drives the EV up and down. I think that's right. much more important because as you say, everything is very close and, you know, there's clear fuck ups and those you have to get rid of. And afterwards, it's really about, you know, what drives EV up, what drives EV down. Um, I think, yeah, I realize more and more that also with preflop sims and, and Monker, because a lot of them, I think in No Limit and in PLO, they're so heavily dependent on people cold call ranges and, you know, these most No Limit 6 Max sims, I think they don't have cold calling in the cutoff and hijack. So, uh, yeah, that, that affects yeah. You know, the EV of certain holdings yeah. so much and, you know, it's all relative. Uh, certainly none of this stuff is perfect, right? Preflop, uh, GTO, multi-way. It's an idea, you know, Monker Solver is just an idea trying to solve a problem that's uh, far too complex. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's important for people to realize. You know, the outputs you get are good. That's important. The outputs you get are really good. You can use them. They're better than anything else you have. But are they perfect? No. Not. That yeah. doesn't matter. Right? Also, also, going back to the, to the overall attitude, I think you mentioned uh, Christoph Vogelsang and you know, I think that the whole debate with, you know, him having a hoodie and a scarf, um, you, me you mentioned before a little bit that, you know, there were a lot of personal attacks on him. And um, could you elaborate a little bit more on that and, and how, you know, that went down from your end as a, as a friend? And what, what do you think about that whole thing after players? Well, I just think that this is just not okay, you know? Um, you don't single out a guy who's a paying customer in your tournaments uh, just because he dresses in a way you do not approve of. That's complete nonsense. And that's for one, you know, from an operator perspective, you don't get to go after one of your customers. That's complete, that, that's crazy. You don't get to do this. Uh, as, a, as a fellow player, I don't think you get to do it either. Uh, I can, it's much more understandable. Um, but you don't, you know, the, as long as the guy's not breaking any rules, you just got to shut up and take it. Because as far as I know, there's no, there's no rule against this. And uh, yeah, no one has, you know, no one's a bad word to say about Christoph, who's just a really nice guy, great player. So yeah, guys, just bullying someone on social media uh, is pretty low, regardless of what they did. And certainly bullying someone because they wear a hoodie over their head to not give away any tells and who consistently tries to always, always, always play his best from the first hand he sits down, which is something I admire, to be honest. You're giving the guy shit for playing his best. That's ridiculous, guys. Like the guy, if he wants to play his best zipped up in a hoodie, just let him do it. You know, the guy's showing professionalism. He's playing incredibly well. He's also the nicest guy in the world. And just because you don't like it because he takes the game serious and he makes a bunch of money, there's nothing you can do about it because your goal is to sit down at the table and make the best decisions, right? You know, you can, you can needle him all you want and stuff, but the truth is he's not going to stop because it makes him money. And if he feels it makes him money, he'll always continue to do so because he wants to make the most money. That's how serious he takes the game. And yeah, if you want to snap act in five seconds and uh, burn a bunch of EV every single time you have a decision, hey, be my guest. You know, I know who I'd rather play. Yeah, on, on the other hand, you know, the I think a very dangerous thing in the poker industry, if, if we're like talking, okay, if people's incentives are all money driven and, you know, people are going to do what, you know, and follow through with where money goes, 
then they're going to do exactly not just what, for example, Fogelsang did in order to disguise his tells, but they're also going to do the whole shutting out thing of players because it's a money-driven incentive. So you're shutting out a really good player. And um, yeah, so I think justifying any any action based on, on money incentives is, is, is pretty dangerous to me. Um, and yeah, of I, course. Yeah. Sorry, so, you'd always find, I want to say, sorry, you, you always find a reason to shut someone out. That's all I wanted to say, right? With Christoph, you just found the tanking and the hoodie. With someone else, you'll find something. And if you can't find anything, he's one of the Germans. When you say that shot clocks have been really good for poker still for five six, you are Absolutely. happy with Okay. Fantastic, yes. And what about rules? Like would you would you personally um you know get rid of uh, at least who it is or like at least covering your entire face, you know, like doing this being okay, but then having like your face entirely covered not being okay? Or would you just say it doesn't matter much? I um I'm not against anything here. I think if this is uh I don't have a clear opinion to be honest. I think that if the tournament organizer decided that it's not allowed, it's not allowed. And uh that's it. And if you know, that's fine. You know, if he thinks if they think it makes for better TV, I can sort of agree with that. And that's an argument I'll I'll happily follow. Now, if we're going down that uh that rabbit hole, I'd I'd like to at least assume that the uh organizer of the tournament adds some money to the prize pool or at the very least offers rake free i think we're going down a very slippery slope if we're just if we're the ones paying thousands and thousands in rake we're, we're, we're basically paying for the entire show right and they enforce a dress code on us or whatever dumb rules they come up with that's not okay either you know um i for one believe that if we're paying the rake the rules should be as relaxed as possible and player friendly as possible they should, mm -hmm. We should be inclusive of everyone, not exclusive. And that especially becomes true when we're the ones paying for the stuff to run. Mm. Well, on the other hand, uh, you know, people also always mention like the people who are really paying for the game are the losing players. So, um, you know, some people think that, you know, that losing players get to dictate what the rules are supposed to be and has been like that in, in, in cash games for quite a bit. And uh, there's actually a pretty big force in poker where yeah, cash games become more and more private because you know uh, apparently the losing player wants to uh, you know be, uh, dictate on who he can play with. What are yeah. on, on your thoughts on this? Uh, I think uh, okay, here we go. Um, I think mostly these guys. What losing players want and do not want uh, is way too broad of a question for a starter, right? You cannot say every losing player wants to play with this type of player and this type of player because you're not the guy. You know, you you're not you don't get to decide. You don't get to decide what other people want and who they want to play with. A lot of people just want to play with the best in the world, but they've sort of been like dragged into these private games by some parasites who just don't want to play against the other good players and want the fish to themselves. That's the truth. And I think a lot of people are just very vocal and uh, trying to shut out <clears throat> other professionals, you know? Uh, yeah, that's just, that's the truth. I don't think like if a VIP wants to play with his friends, let him play with his friends. That's okay. But what, what I think is a problem here is if you actively try to influence the guy and say like, this guy's not good, play with me, play with my friends. That's really uh, unethical behavior to your fellow professionals. And it's just very dirty. You know, if you, they got, 
super high rollable, for example, you know, like there's like this invitation list and the pros and I got shut out one year, which is completely ridiculous, I think, because uh, I play a lot, but no, um, some uh, some casino, VIP, not a casino VIP, even just a, you know, a fun player who is friends with someone got the seat over me. I think that's completely ridiculous. Um, did I deserve the seat? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, I just think the whole politics is what I really hate about the game. Uh, I think we should be careful that this doesn't destroy the game. I think we should be careful not to, um, yeah, annihilate the professionals who, who make the game run in the first place. You know, if you look at London right now, there's uh, 10 professionals battling it out in the 100K. Without those guys, they wouldn't have a tournament. And I find that a lot of the organizers, they should show a little bit more respect towards the super high rollers. Because, you know, if you, if you, if you keep shutting people out like this, uh, they're not going to come and support you. You know, it's like there's events that consistently shut players out. I, I'm losing my motivation to go and support, put it this way. Um, if there's some sort of organization where they, you know, they run the super high rollable, which is like very exclusive with a lottery, but then there's still VIPs and stuff, and uh, they just end up, end up giving their seats to pros, that just makes me kind of not want to play anymore. And the only reason I put up with this is because uh, if I do get in, I make a whole bunch of money. And that's just the truth. And hey, those are all politics um, that you see in tournaments. They're very open. But in cash games, there's like much more of this and there's really nothing you can do about it. But I think in tournaments, we have the option to just choose to you know, not go support. You know, if, like, if they keep doing this, then I'll just not go support the events anymore. I think that's that's a pretty good point. There's a lot of points in there, and I think poker politics as as a skill set got so much more important in the last few years. And it's it's pretty ridiculous to me as a player because I'm I'm really a would would say like very pure or about poker or poker purist if you want to say that. I just believe in being able to sit down and play whoever you are. That's the beauty of the game. This is how I learned the game because I learned how to play the game in free rolls in Australia. And there have been people from all age groups. Sure, I was probably the youngest kid at the table all the time because I just learned about poker, but I was so fascinated by it, by the fact that everyone could just sit down and play and you have the same odds as everyone else and uh, you just play as good uh, of your abilities, whatever they are, and you just have all your own your choices. But, you know, just seeing also some of the recent tweets of Rob Young, I'm probably going to make a separate video about that and seeing that, um, there is actually some, not just politics, but a certain way that you should play against players. You should not isolate other players, other VIPs in a cash game, because then they can see less flops. Like, how ridiculous would it be to make a parody about that and say, look, let's play soccer next time. I'm going to play with one leg. You know, you can play with your both legs, and I'm just going to play with one because you're the VIP. You know, you get to have this experience. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that is, that one just so far. I, I think Rob, Rob has good intentions. Um, that, yeah. he's, just try, he's just trying to... He doesn't want to do this until he does something which would make me think that. I think he's just uh, throwing out ideas uh, for the sake of uh, raising a discussion. Uh, for the better, you know, good things have come from it. And he said it himself, he does not want to ban winning players. Okay. Uh, We'll kind of see where it goes, you know. I, I mean, I'm happy someone tries something. It's just that, yeah, I mean, it can't all happen that way. You know, it's 
it's just not how the game's supposed to be played, but uh, poker's in a decline, so maybe we should try something. And by all accounts, the Triton Million uh, was a success. Well, they can, call it a, they can call it a success, of course. So that's why... Yeah, in, in one way, of course, it was the biggest poker tournament of all time. And uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, having that invitational, having that, you know, and it's also there's no metric for people on how they're supposed to behave. You know, they, you could, they could be the nicest guy, but, you know, maybe a really yeah. skilled player and be maybe more introverted and quiet. And then what, what makes you say that this player deserves less to be in the game? even though he's a really nice guy and, uh, you know, he just doesn't speak well, just the others who... But the, 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 the point, the, the, the truth is always you try to kick out the guy who is going to win the most money. If you're organizing a game, you want to get rid of the biggest winner so you can be a bigger winner. There's is, is nothing else to it, you know, if I... I, like, I think we all get along fine, you know, in the high rolls as like guys and stuff. But if you want to shut someone out, you obviously shut out the guys who win the most money, who play the best. And you take any reason you can get, you know. Uh, you try to put them at a disadvantage. Like all of these politics that we just alluded to all the time, it's just that people are selfish, you know. You're, everyone's just looking out for their own best self-interest. Mm -hmm. And uh, So does, does that make, game, yeah. uh, you know, yourself understating yourself and, you know, being um, underestimated by your opponent gets a known skill by itself? which I find really interesting because a couple of years ago, I was watching these Survivor episodes. Uh, it was one of my favorite shows in the US. And what I discovered as a, as a unique skill set in some of these contestants was that some of them were capable of being underestimated by their opponents. And therefore, they had a much bigger shot at winning, whereas other players who were maybe as strategically um, smart, they were shut out because they were transparently strategically yeah. smart. That makes actually Survivor for me like even funnier because you're you're even have to have that additional skill set and I like those politics. Whereas in poker, I don't yeah. like politics at all. But, in but that, that's the yeah. Do you know the, the thing, right? I, yeah, of course. That, that of course, right? But that's the thing, right? If I was a lot smarter, I would have told everyone I was some fucking Bitcoin rich guy who's just punting around in hundred k for fun. It turns out I'm not that smart at those kind of politics. I'm just way too honest. And honest. You know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have told anyone I study with solvers. I wouldn't have told anyone uh, what we're working on and all that stuff. I could have if I was a little bit more shade, you know, like a little bit like more lying and you know, more slimy, but that's just not who I am. You know, that's I never thought I would get into poker and have to be acting as someone else. You know, I always, as you said so many times, just sit down and play. And uh yeah, I don't think people underestimate me anymore, unfortunately. Am I right in the assumption that, uh, you know, historically over the last decade, whenever somebody asks you at the poker table, do you do this professionally? You would say, yeah. Is that? No, I always say I, always say I don't really do anything else. Okay, yeah. I <laughs> say so, yeah, this. Now, nowadays, my answer is I'm an app developer or something, and then I just, you know. Okay, that's <laughs> just a good way of phrasing it, so it's a little politics. But yeah, yeah. I always found that also that if somebody asks me, like, I realize a lot of people locally, that they don't know, you know, that I do this for a living or that I don't do anything else. And at some point, you know, a random guy says, like, yeah, do, do, do this all the time. And like, yeah, I play lots of poker and yeah. otherwise I'm a teacher, you know, and... and but sometimes they ask, are you a poker pro? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, 
you know, however you want to phrase it, man. Um, and I try to not make a big deal out of it. But some people are like, no, don't never give that information away. You never tell your opponents, you know, you you have to well, get that, every edge you can. If you say that, it's really bad. And I, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just way too honest, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the big deal, you know? Well, apparently the big deal is that you eventually get shot out of uh, the games you were used to frequent. Uh, I'm a bit yeah. bitter about that, honestly. Uh, but hey, nothing I can do about it, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just yeah, yeah. Uh, I've always I mean, believed in honesty. I, I think there's something we can do about it. I have a few ideas, and I think that's it's just a higher level of awareness among poker players. It's going to take a long time. It might be a, a, a problem that's not just in poker, but in humanity. But uh, that you know, I think the the, the driving force here is, is uh, people's. Um, I would say, um, you know, they're just jealous of, of all our poker players. Like that's that's the initial thing that happened. People being so envious about others that has started the whole thing. You can see the whole tweets from people. It's just envy. Like a lot of people, yeah. did, when when they comment on these things, it's it's like their own frustrations that they bring up that they didn't win at poker, which um, you know, just, it's the major, it's true for the majority of the people, right? That yeah. uh, then all of a sudden now they have and they have now this outlet. They have now this you know sense of victory, even though they not have not won a poker. They feel really that sense of victory because now all these winning players are having struggles too because they cannot get into some games. So now they feel good about themselves again, which seems really sad if you think about it. Absolutely, yeah. As you said, envy, jealousy, call it whatever you want. That's, that's mostly what I always say to people who criticize Christoph. You know, it's just uh, bring it up again, but it's exactly what it is. You look at the guy, he's very successful. You find something you don't like about him, and uh, then you go for it. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I can I, understand I can understand it up to some, some point. If, if you are just playing poker rec recreationally and, it, and maybe you're a little bit bitter about losing, you just come up maybe with these things. Um, I, some years ago, oh, yeah. I, I've said it way, way too many times, you know, about people sun running, like in the end, who cares? You know, I might still say it occasionally that somebody sun runs, but but not with the same intent and not with the same yeah. thoughts anymore. You know, it's, it's a huge, yeah. yeah, it's it's not yeah. a, a bitter sentiment anymore. Now yeah, I have a much easier time to you know to feel joy when somebody wins, or you know, say, or even if I don't know the guy and I think he's like you know running good, uh, I have a much different attitude to that. Uh, whereas I, I understand, you know, where I was coming from years ago. Um, so, you know, it's just, I guess, a little bit human when you see that somebody has it better in poker oh. that you feel envious. Oh, and, yeah. Of course, of course. It's the thing is also the nature of the game, right? It's still to a certain degree gambling and there's a lot of luck in it. And you can't, well, you can't fully quantify how good someone's decisions are. And if a lot of things come down to luck and you dedicate a lot of time to it and you're just not getting the results, because, because truth be told, you don't understand the game. You're not you're not a winning player. You play quite badly, but you'll always remember that you lost aces to kings that one time, right? So what happens now is all the time you lost was because you lost aces to kings and you're the unluckiest player in the world, right? And then you're looking for someone to attack. And um, you look for easy targets, and then you can find that guy, Christoph, for example, he's hiding in his hoodie. I don't like that. He's playing really slow. I don't like that either. I don't like his haircut. It's this Dominic guy. I don't like him either. And you're looking for all these things to attack in players. 
instead of like facing your own weaknesses and trying to get better. Because let's face it, the guys are better than you, um, you know, and you're attacking someone who takes a long time. That's ridiculous. Why don't you take longer time? Maybe if you took longer time, then you would win more money. I don't know um, if it was that easy. So yeah, there's like this envy and it's actually really tough because so much comes down to luck. So I can relate to those people, of course, but you're just going to let it go, man. As you said, just let it go. You know, it's the game. Show some respect to the people, you know, show some respect. And also, yeah, just work yeah. on your own game. You know, why on bring the, people down? It doesn't make sense. On the, on the other hand, though, I would say that respect has to be mutual. And what I think a lot of players uh, fall into, especially also sometimes good players, I wouldn't say the best players, and I'm going to ask you that afterwards, but that they have this metric in poker towards VIPs that you know they're better than them because th their metric is you know how good is this of a poker player and they are judging on people just because that guy is like a really bad poker player or it just plays for fun you know and then they are yeah. basically having that metric for the whole person or outside of it and they cannot really get out of the tunnel would you say that though 80 percent of players in, in the high stakes don't have that metric i'd say 99.9999 percent of high stakes players don't have that metric at all it's like it's it's highly disrespectful you know to just someone's intelligence over poker it's just crazy you know the guy's new to the game he probably did something right to make that money and if he didn't well then you know he got his money from something that doesn't even matter like it's poker is just a game that you play right you compete in it that's fun one thing that really bothers me when i go when i play like some of my lower stuff is all these people you know, there's like you're playing the World Series 1500, and um, I remember this a couple of years ago, pretty funny story. Uh, I, I won't name a name because it's kind of embarrassing. Uh, I sat down at a table, you know, low stakes buy in, I don't really pay much attention, brought my iPad, was just sitting there. Some recreational player, you know, beats a, a former world champion in a hand. I'm not going to say any names, that's why it's funny. He just says, and then he just turns to me and rolls his eyes, and I'm just like, What's wrong with you? Okay, I haven't talked a word to this world champion, but he saw a hand that was badly played by a recreational, and he felt the need to roll his eyes at another young guy who he thought was a professional to get approval. Like, like these guys, I, I don't even understand what to say to those people. You know, uh, you're playing poker on like a medium level. You know, you're a good player. Don't humiliate the guys who, you know, give you their money, you know, they are the guys who you can beat. If they didn't play like this, you wouldn't have a job, you know, get that in your mind, show some respect. And like, you know, if you want to say something, make like a funny comment, uh, don't, don't tap like the young guy on the shoulder and roll your eyes. The guy mm -hmm. did it like three hands later, he did it again. And I said, what the fuck is wrong with you? I said, what do you want from me? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to name names. Who but yeah, it's like an example. Like yeah, that. It's, it's ridiculous. The point. Makes the point, basically. The, the, the guy the guy ended up having a bunch of success and he probably grew up. Uh, but basically, it's, I agree. You, you show respect to everyone and you just don't do that, you know? If if you, like, take a bad beat or something and you want to say something, at least make sure it's something funny that everyone can, you know, like, make it a fun needle. Just don't don't completely disrespect the guy by rolling rolling your eyes and, like, snickering about their play with some other young kid. Because they will understand you. That's not gonna. And make at least make the, the at, at least make the hand history a little bit funny. 
that's all all it takes i guess no, just, like, just say, say 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 something like oh i can't beat that or like i think you had that i don't know just you know just don't just like don't stone like oh i roll at the guy show me that cars and say like, i don't give a fuck or you have to hurry up and play you know yeah yeah it's uh it's it's very true that but but it's i guess it's a little bit of a form of development and i i think also giving people too hard of a time when when, when you do that I, I guess at the beginning of the careers the more you have of that because i think yeah it takes you to realize that you do these things and takes a progression and after years i think if you, if you still do it after a decade like too much and it's not so much understandable anymore but uh you know i think the earlier you are in your career the more you would do this and um yeah absolutely i i thought that i was more cynical in in high rake games than in normal rake games because i realized like you know what, what makes you really really um bitter in poker is when you play a game where let's say uh i also remember that because i have been sometimes really bitter on streamer and and you know quite annoyed it's like yeah. plo 100 compared to plo 500 plo 1k plo 100 sometimes has players like you would say that 70 percent is just clicking buttons but you of will course, still course, not yeah. win at a, at a wide, high win rate because 10 big ones per hundred would, would get raked away and that <laughs> will make you feel really really bad like let's say you win like between three and five big ones per hundred you're like what the yeah. fuck like these guys are literally yeah. clicking buttons and then i would get better like i realized that over time like this is really all about the rake if i could simulate my graph yeah. without the rake i would without realize you know, i'm just getting all this money and I'm still getting money despite all this rake, but it's just so much less. Right. And uh, I'm curious yeah. what you do about it, you know? Like, yeah, you can't, you can't do much. What you can do is you can go play live poker where you're at just three times as high and then, you know, almost not have swings, even though you cannot run it twice sometimes. But uh, I guess that's what you can do about it or I'm so happy I'm not coming up through the mistakes right now for exactly that reason. Uh, players are really good, and as you said, the rake, the rake at 100 PLO is insane. So I was just genuinely curious, like, what's the way to go around this? Do you just try to play 200 and you table select, or? I, I think that's the... the way to go. Yeah, I think table selection is really important, and then also getting uh, getting sides rake back. Um, probably playing on shit sides. Um, yeah, into that maybe a little bit, like play on. And really, like on PvP apps, uh, look that you don't get scammed. Um, Playing, play just in very soft games where you have the maximum yeah. security, where you have as little of money you have to give some to some agent. Uh, just manage your way through until you have a certain a big enough bankroll where you can play other games, where you can potentially yeah. go into live poker where everything's soft when you get invited. <laughs> still, PLO but, tournaments yeah. properly was, was my guess. If you PLO tournaments, tournaments are probably tournament. still very good. Yeah, I mean, pretty good idea. Yeah, because of the of the yeah basically missing rake after the initial buy-in, you can basically yeah, uh, play a much better big blind strategy than most people. I think the big blind strategy alone could net you. Um, a lot of RI already, um, just yeah. because of the pot odds you're getting, and most people don't understand that. Um, at least all the recreationals, and then um, you know some of the even better players or the professionals yeah. might even make a lot of mistakes, like people with no limit hold'em background. You also play PLO, right? Uh, I don't have enough time anymore. I can't. I, okay. I find the game very fascinating. Uh, I wanted to get into heads up PLO mostly. Uh, certainly, I want to play more PLO tournaments in the future, but I just, I just don't have time these days, and I would really like to dedicate more time to uh, 
PLO because it's a good game. I believe this is still, you know, if I was starting out grinding mid-stakes, I'd probably, that's what I'm asking, I'd find a way to get through the mid-stakes somehow playing PLO because that's, that I believe that's a much more alive game, much better games. Uh, it's either PLO cash or tournaments. You know, I think tournaments are still good also. But uh, No Limit Hold'em, you do not want to play No Limit Hold'em cash for a living. It's not a, it's not a valid uh, plan, I want to say. So my PLO is just, I, I try to play a little bit. I play some PLO tournaments online. I'm not that good. I'm a bit of a fun player. But I, I know how to play tournaments pretty well. And I kind of understand a little bit about PLO equities. And what I find is when I play PLO tournaments that I think it's much more about playing tournaments than it is about playing OMA. And that's extremely helpful. So I, all my lack of knowledge in the game, I can make up for by my understanding of ICM and where to put the pressure on and you know where to attack sort of because of uh, the tournament dynamics and where to, where to sit back and wait and make like tight falls. So yeah, understanding all of those things actually to me, uh, it probably means that I'm just going to play PLO tournaments going forward. No, no PLO cash because I just don't have the time to dedicate to it. Perfect tournaments, difficult. yeah. And I think also your understanding of 20 big blind play, 10 to 15 big blind play, no limit will, uh, you know, with Absolutely. smaller bet sizings versus big blind will basically help you out so much um, in, in a of PLO course. tournament as well. So. I don't see well, any I, reason why that couldn't be a great idea. But yeah, cash 100 big blind, I think is, and also 250 big blind uh, or 300, like bigger stack sizes. There's some preflop ranges for out there. They're they actually fairly complex, especially in how they also interfere on flops. Then uh, that, of course, that's, that's of course. a whole other beast. And uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, takes forever. Some of the time, man. It's it's a, it's a, I love that yeah. stuff. It's so interesting to me. I, just, I can't do it. You know, yeah. I have. W Coops on right now playing. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think you, you know when you look at that stuff. I'll, I actually want to go back again and learn more about them totem tournaments because I realize I've I've, been, I've fallen quite behind uh, yeah. the, curve the last three years. I haven't been playing much tournaments, um, PLO tournaments. Yeah, but the no limit totem tournaments. I've, I've fallen behind so much, so I have to really step up my game um, mm -hmm. so that I can play more no limit totem tournaments again. I mean, next year there's a 25k uh, in the in Barcelona. I'm pretty excited for that because I actually want to play it. Uh, it's going to be a super soft tournament. In fact, it's like 320 platinum pass winners. So I just have to, yeah, work on my game again. And I guess get into <laughs> soft spots like that. Barcelona, though, with the tax situation, uh, it's not that appealing. Uh, mostly yeah. for, for oh. Germans, it's an issue for French, I've heard, for the Dutch. What about Austria? I don't know. Living, living in Austria with a Swiss passport, would you say that's I don't, dangerous? I, I suggest you contact uh, yeah. an accountant before you go play that tournament. Okay. I think that's the right, Thanks. It's the right play. What I heard was that, and I don't know if this is the right output, but I believe an Austrian lawyer confirmed that to a good friend of mine. They said, as long as you don't pay taxes in your home country, they can come after you. That was pretty clear, so I, I sort of don't bother. Barcelona. I didn't go to Barcelona okay. for that reason, which kind of hurts me. And that's also why you didn't see any of the Germans there this year, because we're all, yeah, pretty uh, terrified of that. Because it actually is a pretty unfair system, you know. You can't deduct your swaps. 
And then they just straight up ask you for a third of your winnings, which you may or may not even have. So yeah. I'll stay the hell away from uh, Spain. And okay. uh, thankfully, there's I, actually, I don't understand why Stars is having a 25k there. It just blows my mind that, but hey, Poker Stars these days, you know? Yeah, okay, that makes, I actually didn't know about that, that it was so extreme. I heard something, but I didn't know, like, I, I basically play cash games in Barcelona, so I don't know much yeah. about the tournament scene. But I didn't know that they actually did this to everyone, like including people living in England. And um, I, I don't, I personally don't know. I think I'm saying yeah. they could. I'm saying they there's could. been people from all over Europe that they've been going after. Yeah. And That's... if you're just going there, yoloing it up, you probably shouldn't do that. You should just get a, you should get it confirmed by an accountant that you are. Okay. Uh, you won't be taxed. And uh, if you will be taxed, then you gotta decide for yourself if it's worth the risk paying it. Are you gonna pay it? Ah, no. I, I guess. Maybe, uh, yeah. That's I guess like not, the, yeah. the risk of like a thirty percent RI threat is just too high. I'm actually pretty, yeah, pretty. Uh, probably only come after you. If, probably only come after you if you win big, you know. Yeah, I mean that's the other side. <laughs> but, but 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 then there's there's still the WCP main event and and those things that they can. Of course, you don't need to play Barcelona. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah, that's that's true. Like if if if, if that's really the thing, and I cannot find a solution for that, and it makes no sense, other than like. Yeah. Just winning the entry straight up in like a satellite, um, which, right, you know, right? Right. You know, there might be some promotional things, but other than that, I guess if that's true, then yeah. I mean, if you mention it, pretty, is, is completely pretty, up, pretty scared, and I mean, there's enough in Barcelona already in the cash games with this whole run it twice scam that Anski was scammed for 20k. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That that is just so much trouble um, that you can get in. There's extra stuff. So when it comes to taxes. Um, in poker, it's also the, uh, an interesting topic. Would you say that poker is a form of double taxation when people get taxed, or is it not? On poker winnings, yeah, yes. I believe so. You believe it's double taxation? Well, yeah. I mean, I don't think gambling winnings should be taxed. Um, if they are taxed, then there needs to be a very fair system for it in place, right? Um, no country has a system for it in place, as far as I know. I think even uh, the US is the only place where it's sort of an order where you can deduct everything. But I, I think in like Germany or something, you can't deduct anything. Uh, it's, a, it's a complete I mean, mess, basically. Just actually, um, yeah, it's, it's the same. I'm have the same opinion. But I realized I made like a thread four years ago in two plus two, and I realized, wow, these guys are all from a different planet because everyone was like. No, this is not double taxation. Rake is something completely different. You know, if the operator right. or the right. operator gets taxed, yeah. that, that's not, that's not tax. That's something else. And then of course, that's player, tax. Yeah, yeah. I always was like looking at poker that way. That you know, I think the it's not a zero sum game anymore. It shouldn't be. I think it's fair that there is a tax on poker. You know, we can't have, we can't let fifty percent of all poker players win at poker. You know, this is also it doesn't make any sense, right? I think. Yeah. I mean, you don't can't have like a free for all and, and, and the whole world playing poker, you know, gambling for money and have nothing right. taken out of it. But I think as soon as the operator and the rake is like already high in Europe, you know, as soon as they take them out of money and they give it to the government, I think the government should be fine and just you know let the players go. But of course you cannot do nothing Always about it. More. The governments they want more, they want more and more. Yeah. more. And uh that's just the, the way the games the game's already like super hard to beat, you know. If you had another, if you had another source in there that wants their cut, it's not gonna work. Mm. 
That's why most of the American tournament guys are just completely broke. Not because they're bad players, it's because yeah. they take they have to pay so much in tax. Right. Okay. I've. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't do this if I was paying uh, tax on my winnings. This is crazy. This is, yeah, it makes makes no yeah. sense to me either to do this as an American citizen to try to play tournament poker fling. There's so much variance in it, and then yeah. even if you're on the good side. And you end up paying 20, 30% of taxes, sometimes 40% if you're living in the wrong state. Um, yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me and how, how these people do it. I think it's like overestimating themselves and just not, not, doing, the, not, not doing the math right. And um, it just doesn't make a sense. So you have to live in, in a country like UK. Austria is still fine. Like, I still don't know. Like, I don't, I've never talked with a, a good lawyer who knows the system well. Like, most lawyers probably don't know anyway, like, it, unless you have like a really good specialist. Um, yeah. But all I know is, you know, so far, you know, people are not getting taxed. Like, I haven't heard of a guy, yeah. friend. So I'm fine Same. for now. And Same, yeah. I guess if that changes, I'm going to UK and, and I'm out of here. <laughs> it's, I'm not an sad. expert on yeah. Austria, but. I'm glad that in the UK it's 100% tax free, and I kind yeah. of like it here. So life's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be careful in Austria. What? Uh, I would be careful in Austria. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. Really worth asking a specialist and just getting it sorted out once and for all. I mean, I haven't won like that much money. Like I've won right. some money, but like it's not like threatening if they made up some ridiculous number or something. But like, again, this is the thing, though, right? If someone doesn't like you and they you know, report you to the authorities and whatnot. Doesn't matter how much you won. Yeah, but I'm not a tournament player. I, I've won a I'm, yeah. So so it's 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 uh, I'm I'm pretty safe when it comes to that, I think. But uh yeah, if I play tournaments, I will probably do a lot more, be a lot more cautious, I guess. Uh, yeah. just because of the situation. But I already moved out of Switzerland, so um in Switzerland uh it was kind of that you know you pay some tax as well and it was just not possible and higher cost of living as well so yeah. not really the way you want to go by the way cost of living is also an interesting topic like how do you like you probably have a pretty high bill per year but I mean you're making yeah. a lot of money playing yeah. poker but <laughs> how could you tell the audience a little bit about you know where you are willing to put out a lot of money for hotels and restaurants and where you need it up where do you draw the line because i know some people that ballers out there they just put out so much money but uh, some of them are also trying to economize a little bit what's your take on it i love food i love food it's probably my favorite thing in the world uh when it comes to food i just burn money like crazy i love everything uh been to japan multiple times uh eaten at the best places I love that. Anything else? Um, it, it depends. Hotels, sometimes uh, for a special occasion, I will book a nice hotel. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to where I've made enough money where I can afford this every once in a while, and it's okay. But in terms of other expenses, I live in a pretty reasonable place. Uh, don't pay too much in rent. I don't own a car. Um, I'm very big on collecting air miles, which is the main reason why I pretty much never have to fly economy. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, I, I obviously do also spend way more money than I should. But I mean, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a few sources of income, thankfully, uh, as well as running good at poker. And yeah, it's just 
probably shouldn't follow my financial advice in that regard too much because okay. I'm, I'm a little bit crazy when it comes to spending money on things I enjoy. Eh, I'm fine. Not too crazy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a, a pretty wide spectrum and uh, like I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've probably spent a lot of time on like gym memberships and uh, just to, to because I, I pretty much sit all day in front of the computer yeah. or in, in casinos. So at least I have That's something. That's smart. Have, having a nice gym and also food I like, but then there's obviously also some times where I think it gets through the roof in Vegas uh, with oh, like yeah. your choices and stuff. So. Um, I'm probably more on the nittier side when it comes to that, but also all in good reason, you know, it's like, you, you should always look, look within your bankroll, I think, and, and, uh, and see what's possible. What? I have an opportunity to eat at the best restaurant in the world. Um, I'm booking the next flight out. Uh, so what I'm saying is this actually, if you enjoy it, you know, and you, it's an occasional treat for you, then, Hey, go for it. You know, I think so. Um, yeah, absolutely. In, in Vegas, especially there's so many good restaurants. And what's your favorite? What's your top three in Vegas? In Vegas, uh, Patash, uh, number one, I'd say. Uh, and then like just for three, it's just too difficult. Um, I like La Mai for Thai food, really good place. Uh, next door, there's another place that I really like. It's called Sparrow and Wolf. It's really, really good. Um, and there's Ido, Ido, uh, Tapas Bar, really, really good place. Those would be the places we mostly frequent because they're also open. They're all open late night, which is really cool. You can play a tournament and then have a meal at one in the morning in all these places. Uh, yeah. I don't think what else is as I frequent a lot. Yeah, those those would be the most popular for sure. Okay, and what about other places you've been to? Like where you said Japan, you like you like sushi and just Japanese food and yeah. it. That's that's the best. Yeah, I've been to I've been to some of the good ones, and I haven't been to some of the other really good ones I want to go to. This. If anyone's going to Japan and needs advice where to eat, I'm I'm the guy. But also, it's not just the high end food there. There's also just the bowl of ramen in Japan. It's just so good. Mm -hmm. Actually, ramen is actually one of the foods that I really enjoy, and it's very cheap. Everyone in the world you go with ramen is just a good bowl of ramen is super tasty, and if you get it the right way, you'll know what I mean. If you get it. I don't know. I don't eat ramen at home, but I love it in Vegas and I really like it also in Japan. Uh, it's fantastic. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's like one of those things that if they're not good and you're like, so hey, this is okay, but, but I don't get the hype, but you have something really good and you're like, man, this is awesome. And the same with sushi as well. Awesome. Good. So yeah, I mean, poker and traveling, I think is a, is a huge topic, especially if you, if you're like new into this, um, I think making a plan around it for live poker, um, yeah, people could be really surprised about like how, what, what stuff costs and, and you know what the bottom line will be. And you have to play reasonable stakes, I think, for live poker. It's really pretty dangerous, I think, to to play anything below five ten. Um, I mean, you can. It's still working, I think. Like if you play two five and five five, those weird, uh, you know, depending on the rigs, uh, on the structure. It's okay. It can work, but uh, yeah, most people don't realize like how how big your edge has to be in order to to make a living. And you have to economize a lot, I think, if you want to play those games um, and not play higher really instead. Yeah, so it's, that... it's tough, obviously. It's a... I recognize how fortunate I am to that. I don't really have to worry about that. You know, 
do, do you uh would you compare like um what do you think are the these days the best 2k to 10k buying tournaments um like EPTs and stuff what anything, stop anything, you, anything, anything you can play um 10ks are too high they get too tough mm-hmm. it's very true um in Europe certainly the 10k main events insanely tough um full of grinders uh stables that put their horses in it's not an attractive buy-in level for recreational very simply um put that it's just that's where it gets very tough world series europe may or may not be good uh main event i don't have a clear opinion on it should be all right um other tournaments that are good barcelona obviously fantastic best 5k of the year um rock is probably going to be all right too um in europe what else you can pretty much if you if you're playing like the lower stakes buy-ins you can travel to like a wpt or something there's a wpt coming up but what ROIs do you do you have any ROI estimates like what is possible it's, like for someone like you and then for someone who's just good decent I just give you the truth I just be guessing I, I okay guessing. yeah but but having so a you guess don't know. <laughs> you don't know. if you were you shouldn't worry about that sort of stuff I think you just it just distracts you from the main goal which is to show mm. up and play with poker right if there's like a WPT in, I don't know, Nottingham is the first one that comes to mind. That's going to be good. Whatever, you know. And there's like one at Kings that's going to be good. Or, you know, lower stakes buy-ins, even like a WPT deep stake. There's no way that tournament isn't good. Put it this way, you know. It's, they need a lot of players. And there's just quite frankly not that many good players. And a, a lot of the elite is just not going to bother showing up. I think what a lot sure. of people don't understand about our eyes is, so much gets taken out by the top guys and uh you know people don't realize that people are like oh you know like this you know like all these wrecks take all the money but i think the guys at the top take out far more than their fair share um especially later when the stakes get really high and there's a lot of icm considerations so it's actually that's where like a really good player can take a lot of advantage of a weaker player so I would actually say that an ROI for the true elite in like one of those is a lot higher than people think. And I would argue that ROI for like a, a decent solid player is quite a lot lower than most people think. Maybe like plus a couple percent. And But that's of course only assuming the top players show up, right? If the top players don't show up, then suddenly someone else is the best in the field and everyone gets a lot more money. So what I'm just saying is you should play the ones where the elite pros do don't show up which is like it's mm. the street day sorry so what you're saying is you should try to show up and be the best in that field and potentially even skip the higher binds um first for some people because if yeah. you're if you're one of the best in the field then all of a sudden your ROIs through the roof and yeah. uh, whereas yeah i think i also met some people in cash games that they're specifically on the buying level what they're grinding they can beat that limit they're like almost specialized in that but then if they would move up higher then they would run into troubles because of the better players yeah. in there. But then on, the, on their limit, they're like comfortable and they're actually pretty decent on that limit compared to others. And they understand the dynamics um, and, uh, you know, just the meta game yeah. behind it and then they're going to be fine. But then when they would move out of it, then they would be a little bit un- un- uncomfortable, but ha- would have to get better, basically. I think that's yeah, I mean, a lot. Of course, you know, um, the games get tougher as you move up and... Uh, 
I think far too many people have far too much ego. They're just like, oh, I need to play this 10K. And then they played the first 10K and now they suddenly think they need to play every single 10K. Yeah. Then they like play their 10K with like two, 3% ROI, maybe minus two. Does it really matter? No, it doesn't because they should be, again, you know, playing something else where they are, have a higher ROI. It's just, the, you know, just the way it is that people just think they need to play the highest stakes that's available to them because they think they have an edge. Well, it's, it's not like that. And I think people, people would be way better off uh, sticking to the lower stakes where they make money for sure. Mm-hmm. And it could be pretty, pretty helpful as, as a tip for yeah. a lot of people so that, you know, stay within your games where uh, you can just win a lot and basically increase your bankroll. And, and uh, what was the, the highest uh, you would personally take in percent uh, or maybe you have taken more than that. I know that, for example, there's all this in debate about the 2%, like Fader said something like, yeah, not too much over 2%, but then maybe he has sometimes taken that shot a little bit over 2%. Um, how high would you go? What? I've taken a few uh, far too big shots, namely one drop, because the truth is one drop, you had to pay a $30,000 deposit, which was a complete shit show, but that's not the point. Uh, I ended up investing more than six figures. Uh, in one drop, which in hindsight was pretty, pretty stupid. Uh, I also invested a lot in some of the earlier Tritons, which I think was uh, fine, pretty smart, actually. Yeah, but in general, I just try to invest around like 25K, 50K maybe, if it's really good. Um, yeah, I just... Just to have yeah, a big enough piece and then something that yeah. makes sense within bankroll management. I also have a couple of swaps, so I want to swap. That's that smooths out variance quite a bit, right? I mean, if you have some swaps, I mean, yeah, yeah, certainly. Be pretty, be pretty I've been saved, and I've saved uh, many of my pedal. Okay, since yeah. the sun running yeah. in this yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, you mentioned also ego as, as one of your enemies. Do you know the book uh, "Ego Is Your Enemy"? Have you heard no. about it? No. I just read it like some months ago. It's been pretty interesting. Um, yeah, a lot of the things that I recognize yeah. within poker within myself, especially the past, and then trying to lessen that ego that is within you is pretty pretty uh, important skill set to have um, and working on that. Um, yeah. So, what what other um, what are, what are your favorite books? Or what of the books are also in terms of you know learning something maybe outside of poker? What have you? I'm, on books i really wish i had more time to read i'm i'll be honest this app and like playing w coop now just takes up way too much of my time okay i mean maybe if it all comes down i have some time to dedicate to books but i've really been grinding the, the circuit full time and you know developing an app it's just been so much that mostly when i'm done i just want to do something where i just sleep hang out with my girlfriend and uh, get ready to do it all over again the next day Oh, that, that's interesting. Like, do you, um, does, is there a time where your girlfriend thinks that, you know, you don't have enough time and this is like something, um, like, is there one of, you know, managing a relationship with poker? I think I got to give you props on that. She understands. <laughs> easy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's easy because she understands. Um, yeah, she plays a little bit herself. Uh, I've been teaching her, but no, she understands the game, which is helpful. Um, she understands that when I have to put in the hours, 
uh, I need to put in the hours. You know, she understands that wouldn't wouldn't have any money if I didn't. Putting the hours is pretty simple. Um, yeah, that's that's always is uh, it helps because if you're successful, a lot of those things just take care of themselves because she doesn't need to question me. You know, it's like, it's not that I like put in the hours and then we're struggling to put food on the table because you know it's a, it, that's a lot that's that's i mean money always takes care of those things for you i find you know if she starts saying oh you don't have enough time for me then i would just say well how else are we gonna you know how else am i gonna make money because this is the game and uh, if you if you don't grind hard at the game then it's not gonna work if you don't put in the hours the game will pass you by if you don't grind, certainly in tournaments, you know, if you don't put in the volume, then you're going to have a losing year. So that doesn't work either. And uh, now that I've also taken on the, the, the project of the app on the site, um, that's a little bit more difficult because I'm just most, I'm on my phone a lot already. And now with uh, all the questions that come in, I'm pretty much on my phone 24 mm. seven. Understanding of this too, because she sees the potential. Uh, she knows what sort of vision we have for the app. So yeah, she actually she's she thinks it's a good idea. Yeah, for support. Yeah, she's very supportive. So that's cool. It's awesome. I mean, also that uh, do. We, but when you say twenty four seven, would you say yeah. that at some at some point it gets a little bit too much with, with the phone? Do you do you I mean, sense any forms of addiction and like? Ever what? since we released, I can't stop refreshing all the numbers and everything because I'm just, I'm really addicted to that stuff. Yeah. You know, there's like something goes on in Discord. I need to, you know, you can see this. I'm looking down. That's where my phone is. So someone keeps messaging me. Someone tries to call me. It's it's been a lot of uh, a lot of that, which I can only imagine for the next month is going to be exactly like this, because uh, we have so much coming up. It's just that's what it is. I can't I can't turn off my phone and not be responsive because it doesn't work like this. You know, I think people need to be in touch with me right now, and maybe Have in the you? future. Have you have you thought about hiring some some people who can answer questions? Yeah, of course we have someone to do that. Uh, yeah, so so why? I mean, you can have like a a time window where where you cut yourself off. What? Yeah, yeah. In the at night when everyone go, goes to sleep, I get a uh, private time. I get time to okay. play. But yeah, we have someone managing this, and they do a good job. And but I still need to be around uh, for you know to talk to the developers. Uh, to make sure our data is good. If, if like someone reports a bug, then I, I try to take as much work off the developers so they can focus on their important job. And I just try to take the work off them. You know, if, I, if someone reports a bug or something, I have to make sure it's a real bug and then, then I send it to them. So I do all of those things as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I also play a lot of poker still. W could going on. Yeah, I, a lot of work. I'm not complaining too much. It's a, it's fun. For now, it's fun. Okay, that's that's cool. As long as it doesn't doesn't get too much, and you do feel like you're still enjoying that type of work, then I think it's it's, it's totally cool. But yeah, people have been super cool. Feedback's been uh, amazing. Uh, people are super into the app. So as long as they're positive and they don't fucking come in and say uh, one star review uh, because the free version uh, didn't give me enough features, that's kind of where I get a little bit agitated. Yeah. No, people have been super awesome, nice, friendly, and I can't thank everyone enough. Also, yeah. cool. And again, if you're just tuning in now, that is TTO Poker, uh, Dom's new project, a GTO tool. 
uh, where you can work on your poker game, tournament, poker 20 and 30 big blinds. It's going to be in the description below afterwards. And I also want to give you guys now in the chat the, um, the option to maybe ask also one of the last questions here on the podcast. So uh, I know a couple of people have been watching here for, for a bit. And if you're there, maybe you, you want to ask only something that I've forgotten in the podcast. Maybe I've been here for a bit longer, but now it will be the time to do so. Otherwise, I yep. get a couple of more questions in myself. All right. I got about uh, half an hour, I think. Oh, okay, yeah, that, that's, that's going to be totally fine. Um, I think uh, we could go a little bit more into um, the skill set, maybe. Maybe that's been too much. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it's always also a more personal interest. And um, we talked a lot about ego, or not, not ego, but like the, the, the skills. Um, you just mentioned ego that, uh, you know, a lot of the high stakes players, they have better metrics for how they label other players um, and that they understand how the game is working. And uh, I mean, they study a lot, right? That's, that's I think, yeah. one of them. On there one minute? Yeah, <laughs> just giving you a second. I have a W coupe day too. I'm just trying to make sure I didn't fuck the time, but should be all oh, okay. Yeah, they didn't make sure <laughs> nothing like that is wrong. Exactly, it's probably seven p.m. or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. that I'm on, I'm on UK time, so I'm also, I'm super paranoid. Super paranoid about that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I've I once missed a, a day two five hundred buying. Was one I, of my I bigger buying. I slept on a day two of hundred k. That wasn't fun. You slept in. <laughs> yeah, I slept in. Oh. I woke yeah. up half an hour after it started. Okay, and then I'm you sure. get a lot of messages in your phone. <laughs> Zero messages, fucking hell. Oh, nobody was so nice. Oh, Dominic, Dominic is not here today. Let's let's, let's keep him sleeping. <laughs> no, but it's like one of the first hundred cases I played, and there was no one there really. That was okay. Of course, to, uh, <laughs> Tobias is asking how many hours of grinding, how many hours of studying uh, in one week. Like, what's the minimum study you would say you'd have to have in PO and and with apps that are related um, to it. You just try I, the way I do it, and who knows if that's perfect. I just try to do as much as I can. Um, reviewing hands is always a good way to uh, do some very, very effective studying. So, you know, you don't need to uh, sit down and run sims, which can be very exhausting. You could just sit down and uh, just run a couple hands. You know what I'm saying? It's you know, you have a hand that you played, and then afterwards you go to the solver and look up if you played that. Uh, that's sort of like an easy digestive way to study, right? I personally find that I can't sit in front of a solver for too long, otherwise I get really, really bored. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would have thought it was different for you. It's just like, go. Yeah, I, I get bored too. I still do it. I didn't say I didn't do it. I was saying. But, but yeah, after some time, after some hours, maybe. Yeah, it's, it's tough. But then also, what what you like systematically for learning? Uh, you will be jumping a lot between spots. One time, if it's three bit pot and singer is pot and disposition disposition. But you would always say that it's it's important that when you go into the spot that you go into depth because a lot of people I think uh, maybe you agree with that that what they do is they go into the hand way too much. They look, oh, well, did I play my hand correctly? But then they, what they not try to do is is trying to understand the range versus range interaction and um, of course try to derivate that's, something from that's that. That's so much more difficult, right? If you do this all the time, um, I find that if you look at the hand, though, you get like the 
you get a repetition there. You know, you can just, you know, okay, like this end, is, plus you open it up and then you can always see like this end is played like this, this end is played like this. I just find that if you take a hand that you play and you're not sure about, I find it very reassuring. It helps your confidence. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe it doesn't help your confidence. Maybe it just crushes mm. your confidence and you learn that you played your hand absolutely terrible. Mm. Uh, I find that immediate feedback is very important to uh, teach people how to play correctly. Otherwise, you know, otherwise you can just use it and be like, ah, you know, oh, this is fine. I used this hand. I was wrong. That's okay. Mm. You know, but what what would really... Well, that's also a very interesting point I want to follow up on is the confidence thing. I know that for especially in PLO, some people, they have started using solvers. They got a lot more knowledgeable. But then even though they had still a pretty decent win rate, um, their confidence got shattered. I don't know for what reason, but um, there's probably been multiple ones. But like the solver, like being confronted with the complexity of that maybe could yeah, have uh, result in you having a confidence loss as well, not just a confidence loss, yeah. but, but also the other way that you lose your confidence because you realize, well, you're actually so much behind what's optimal, but um, it could be still good enough. Uh, Jesus, this flight has been annoying me for like half an hour. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, so that's a good thing, actually. No, if you, if you learn that you uh, are actually making a bunch of mistakes all over the place, well, maybe that's a place to start learning. You know, I've, I've certainly found that when people were on the app playing, they were they would consistently make mistakes, like good high stakes professionals, and they would just be like, "I don't understand why is this a mistake? Why this is a mistake?" And I said, "Well, now you found something to study." So, uh, confidence doesn't have to be a good thing, right? If you're like mm -hmm. super confident, but you're making mistakes all over the place, and like your world class opponents know that, you should probably figure out what your mistakes are because otherwise they keep taking advantage of you all the time, unless you fix those mistakes. But if you have no one to tell you what your mistakes are, you just be, uh, you know. How would you say, though, in, in live poker, does that, you know, so many people do you think they're completely wrong? There's like, yeah, confidence is so big. Like, what are you really trying to project? But what I what I see in live poker a lot is, especially in cash games, I, I give people way too much credit. Like, I sit down in a live poker game, I look at it, all these young players, and like, at first, right, well, yeah. this, these are probably all regs, and they probably know this and this. No. And then after like two hours, you see this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, they all do like some weird shit. And like, what the, what, what have I been thinking at first? Like I totally have done a lot of projecting. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think they're good? Well, they are probably very confident in the game. They think that everything they do is right. You know what I'm saying? So if you're that confident, uh, that's not probably good. Yeah. You, know? so you need some humility in your game and, you know, accept that you're not perfect, which I think is a pretty... Pretty good trade. Uh, but what I was going to say is that if you, you know, if you are consistently within the solver outputs in your place, that's important. I think that's a, you know, that help, you know, because then you then you've earned the confidence. You're not getting your confidence from beating completely uh, terrible players. You're getting your confidence from performing at like a super high level, which is higher than that most humans are capable of. So I, I think that's something you can base your confidence on. But basing your confidence on you know, beating NL 200, uh, beating NL, you know, whatever, 200 life, you know, that really that shouldn't give you a reason to be super confident in your game because really all you're doing is taking money from idiots, uh, poker idiots, you know what I mean? 
It's yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about the metric. We don't mean actual. Yeah, yeah. That's also something I, I always have to clarify as it could well. Be actually, it's still to be fair, two hundred. You know what I mean? <laughs> they could be, but yeah, yeah. But we always have to really make it very specific. That someone gets offended. I know. Yeah, yeah. Some some people get offended if if you if you do it. I curse around quite a bit, so it's uh, on stream. So. People have to get used to that sometimes. And I actually don't mean it like I would not offend anyone. Actually, in live poker, I'm really nice to people. Like I'm people nice. have sometimes ask me, well, what about the berating? Like sometimes when I stream, I berate like some online players, but I don't really mean it. It's like <laughs> whatever. I don't really know what else to say when I'm on stream. What else am I supposed Obviously, for the stream, you know, I got to play it up. Huh? You got to play it up a little bit for the stream. Yeah, some, sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes I do that. Yeah, sometimes it is authentic, and sometimes I just yeah. do it a little over the notch. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I would never do it in live poker. Like, what, what's the point about it? It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. You look like an idiot. You do that. Oh, yeah, okay. and the berating is, is pretty bad for the game. By the way, does the app DTO, uh, do you give at least the parameters? Like if somebody, let's say, played on DTO poker and you say, look, you have the bet sizes, right? But uh, yeah. would you give um, like the preflop ranges so that somebody would want to yeah. use, do it in PO, yeah. so you could rerun sure. the same? And, of course. Know, okay. uh, yeah. Exact uh, frequencies are going to be released uh, for the next tier because we we honestly think this is a bit confusing for a ten dollar for most ten dollar customers. You know, the tr truth be told, uh, why does would someone need to know if they play? Um, you know, this and twenty five percent of the time, for example. You know, we find that's a little bit of unnecessary information, so we try to simplify it for the low tier. And the next tier is going to feature all the frequencies and stuff, so everyone can run their own sims. Okay. And we're going to show uh, exact frequencies on which uh, which lines get taken as well. So also that's also something people can use to verify our stuff. Awesome. Um, then where will you place DTO Poker app with so many trading apps out there? You sound like an honest person. Well, thanks. Mm. Um, that uh, is a question. So what was the question exactly? Where will you place? How would rate DTO um, among other poker coaching? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I, I, okay, this is going to be very strange. What other poker coaching apps are out there? Uh, I don't know, like Snow. Well, there's Poker Snowy, which is garbage. There is like Poker Fighter or something, which is complete garbage. There is. If, if you can tell me another poker coaching app, I should be comparing this to. Uh, well, I actually. I showed Marcus Peel of Visions. Shout out to Rulas here. He is uh, our Matthias. He has made Peel of Visions. Have you seen Peel of Visions? No. Let me look that up. What does I just showed, I showed it to Matthias. It's it's um it's a PLO app where you also have a lot of Sims run in the background and you can play okay. the flop strategy. Um, I think it will flop. be worth looking at it. Flop and some turns as well. Flop and yeah. some turns. So it's it's sort of like what we're doing. Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, it's it's uh, it basically can find out whether you do see bet or not to see bet, and how to continue versus check raise and so on and so forth. Very so, interesting. Yeah, so yeah, yeah also sometimes the choice. Yeah, I mean, if this is done well, I obviously highly recommend it. Two bet sizes, but yeah, that's that's just like that's, something to compare. You no, know, that, that's exactly what you want. I wonder, like, has Marcus been drinking too much beer in Vegas? Because I, I mentioned a program to him, and he should show it maybe to you as well. Because I, I showed him, look, this is the app. You could maybe pick up a few things. No. <laughs> everyone was drinking beer there. Maybe he hasn't consciously. Awesome. Yeah. 
-hmm. It's just something to compare it with, basically. But I, I can show you also after the stream real quick with, uh, um, you know. I kind of have to hop in the W cube, but now I'm kind of like, no. kind of into Okay. But I mean, yeah, or, or whatever. Yeah, it's if you want to see Monker, I'd assume, yeah? It's, it's Monker, yeah, exactly. Monker. Yeah. But that's like a way to learn uh, about PLO, I think, you know, the best way next to preflop where you go either to Monker. I have a couple of programs for that. What's the, what's the price? Is that already on? They actually did a, uh, a bit, uh, it's, I think, uh, 99 a month. It. And it's it's more at a, a different kind. But PLO is also the market is much smaller. I think the pricing is pretty much on point. Um, I'm actually providing for free. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. No, of course. I mean, I'm in favor of this stuff. I you know it's pretty, it's pretty similar to what we're doing. <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a similar program. And, and for me, for, for knowing what I told them, maybe DT Progress is something I will use quite quite a lot as well in the future if I go back to tournaments, especially because, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been um, basically also too busy with PLO and other things in life that uh, I, I couldn't really, that's always been a struggle of mine because I've, I've learned the mixed games a little bit. Uh, I've learned PLO, I've learned all them tournaments. I've, I've, I've basically never really specialized that much. And now being specialized in PLO, I know I'm, I'm close to some really good limit, especially in live poker because everything is so much easier. But then, you know, having that no limit by the side and trying to figure out, okay, how can I get better there? Um, you have to run so many sims yourself, but then if they're already there, it's awesome because you can learn so much faster. Um, having to do that. We agree that tournaments are a good way to make money, right? Like tournaments are super soft. Yes, oh. I would say so. Why would you not dedicate more time to tournaments as well as PLO Cash, which is the other good way to make money? Because we talked earlier about what's a good game. And I would say, well, PLO, and tournaments, and if you put them together, PLO tournaments, of course. Yeah, this is where you want. This is where you want to put your time. If someone asks me where to make money, those are the two games I'd point them at. Uh, is there a yeah, reason? Certainly not NL, NL cash online, even though it would be oh, super no, interesting. No. Yeah, it would be no. interesting, but uh, but it wouldn't be what I want to play. I would but still want to be good at no limit cash, though, and. Like it, it online, it would be like a training tool where I play like a hundred K hands, maybe in a short amount of time. So I get refresh and, yeah, and use yeah, them. So. Yeah. But only for live poker cash, because sometimes you might have a 25, 50 game for right. whatever reason. And then it might be really soft uh, because it's televised. I, yeah. Isn't there more PLO than no limit? At high well, right now, I don't know if you follow that kind of content, but you know, there's always these life of the bike shows and, and those American yeah, shows, uh, Pokemon Night in America. And yeah. I mean, you know, if you somehow then end up getting into a lineup there and it's rather soft, it's good to be able true, to play true, true. Limit. Yeah, I guess. You can make but that argument to be good at any game, though. That, that's true. I'd like to be versatile. Oh, and yeah. I still think um, PLO and tournaments. Yeah, uh, but I think like very few people can can do like almost everything. I think like True Teller or some people like that are just right. insanely good because they can play Deuce to Seven and all these other games and such a high level. That's insane. I don't understand. Yeah. Have you uh, played with True Teller much? No. Or not not really. That's the Okay. Okay. But he sometimes plays live poker as well, right? Yeah, we've never been on my table. Okay, okay. Yeah, these guys are really interesting that they're like, what do you think about, you know, now Linus also coming into the scene? And um, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome to see that now these online players, uh, you know, being in, yeah. in a live setting and, and seeing them, you know, perform at the highest levels there, of course, as well, because how could it be different? 
But that, they're basically showing thing, right? up. It doesn't help either if those guys show up and the businessmen go away. I mean, obviously yeah. that's not a yeah. It's the game makes so much worse again, you know? Like, oh great, yeah. more pros, you know. I mean, of course, that's not awesome for like the game quality, but I think it's nice to to see also that uh, you know um, how that hard work paid off. I think from that perspective, yeah, yeah. I think it's still um, you know uh, they're really good players. Uh, fun playing against them, but as I was saying, <sighs> yeah. Um, well, what can what can you do in the end? You know, this game that's going to be the development of poker. Better players are going to come out, and and we talked about it earlier. You know, just be frowning upon. Good play, good poker play, and trying to diminish that and, and just make it a. Oh, everyone's welcome to play, you know. I'm yeah. Sure of that. I'm just saying. You asked me what I think about it. I say obviously I'm not happy. Okay, of course. Oh, yeah. oh they play well. Great. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, of course, if, if it's directly affecting you, you know, can't yeah. be happy. Of course. Uh, in a way, they're too late anyway. Yeah, because the golden days are over. Actually, late. Put it that way. Very simple. Okay. So many good games, like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's just a progression. Do you think like a game could come up other than No Limit and PLO, where it's like, I mean, Short Deck is probably not going to be it. I mean, this listen I take, but um, do you think some new game could emerge? I mean, it could. You don't, we don't know, but would you give anything a oh, shot? I think, I think people just like play. People just like playing No Limit Hold'em. People just like playing PLO. New game, just be, that's not going to do anything either, I think. I just don't see it. Um, mm. The game's alive and well. Mid-stakes no-limit tournaments are bigger than ever. PLO, cash is alive and well. It's just at the high stakes that we're, we're struggling with, uh, you know, we're trying short leg. Getting into action. Yeah, I mean, the truth is that except for the Triton events, I think the, the high rolls are also sort of dying down, which is, is kind of sad. Well, Sirius is still good, obviously, but I don't think a new game is going to change anything. I think what happened is that like, a lot of the business guys, they got in those games, they obviously didn't win, or they ended up winning and then lost all their money. Now, they looking, now they're looking for excuses why they're losing, uh, blame the solvers, they blame the hoodies, and we're back to that conversation again. Hmm. But truth be told, they don't put up their money anymore. So why would we care? You know, if like if someone comes in and says, "Oh, you know, this is why I'm not playing anymore," that's that's bullshit. Because the truth is, they, they're not playing anymore because they've been losing, and they're just looking for excuses. Is there anything we can do to change it? Well, probably not, because even if we listen to them, like a, a, a huge debate was re-entries. Let's limit re-entries. If we limit re-entries, then I'll play all the high rollers again. Uh, like okay, whatever. We'll limit the re-entries. It's so, it's completely whatever. The guy's talking bullshit anyway. Then, then they come back. They play two tournaments. They lose. Then they find something else to complain about. Hmm. It's actually just really difficult for um, a recreational to stick around at these stakes because they were, you know, there's so much if behind. Win, if they don't win, they don't want to play anymore. Hmm. And it's kind of hard to win. Well, what about if, if those recreations actually got something like a lot of the times, would you give them something at least? Because a lot of the guys, what, what I hear is from, from some recreational players, I don't want to generalize too much, but they say, you know, I actually just want to learn something too. Like, give me something. I mean, don't try to hide every single piece. Like, 
they just want to learn and get better too. So do we do we give them something or do you just try to, you know, get retain every single ash you have on them? Well, I think that people overestimate that. You know, people don't know how a recreational things. And then it's always like, oh, he doesn't play because of this, or he doesn't play because of that. No, the truth is he doesn't play because he's been losing and he's making up excuses. And uh, hey, you know, he's going to blame someone, something, and whatnot. Uh, I'll show cards sometimes because it's fun. I'm like, one of the, I always show a card that can either be a bluff or value every single time I do it. And I know, is that fun? No, I, just en- I do it because I enjoy it, not to keep someone sticking around, you know? I don't show cards to keep a sucker uh, sticking around because that's not me. That's not what I do. If I do that, then I'd be running a private game. You know, it's just, I don't know. I think people, for the most part, who play those games, I always thought they come and play and they like, they like the competition of playing against the best. They know they're sort of an underdog and they can learn from them by playing. And, you know, they have enough money to burn, put it that way. But then there's also another group of guys who for some reason think they deserve to win when playing against a bunch of kids who dedicated 12 years of their life to studying this game when all they do is play occasionally, you know? You don't, get to, you don't deserve to beat anyone who's dedicated 12 years of their life at something. You know? like they, they're obviously better than you, you know? And you don't need to make an excuse for it because there's no shame. But I find a lot of people do see that shame and they think they would actually, they deserve to win if only it wasn't unlimited re-entry or some other nonsense they come up with. Or if there wasn't big blind entry or whatever the, yeah, I mean, the truth is yeah. there's so much noise around us that we should just ignore because uh, those guys won't come back anyway and we shouldn't try to cater to those guys. Mm-hmm. What do we think about these field players who are like saying fuck GTO oh. and fuck Solar? First, first of all, shout out to Jebron and second of all, fuck those guys. Uh, Bring them on. Oh, Go do you Cha- Chapran? Oh, yeah, Chapran mentioned something. Yeah, because uh, um, that uh, what yeah. did, uh, that he knows you as well. Yeah, I know. Then, uh, no, just to the question, uh, these guys are mostly, but they're either wrong or they're lying to you. You know, put it that way. If like, if I was smart, I said this earlier. If I was smarter, I wouldn't have told anyone I study Soros. I would have told everyone that I'm Bitcoin rich and I just play for fun. But I'm. It's not what I do. I'm just honest. So. Yeah, like those guys, uh, if they try to sell you something, run away very far. Don't buy. Mm. Wait, 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 wait. If, if somebody says masterclass, uh, read live poker pros like a boss, oh. yeah, please exactly. buy, then you, you say, you're saying that it's not good? Yeah, run, run away from this. If the guy says you sold us a bullshit and he tries to co- sell you a coaching project, just run away. Or just run hey, away. Hey, but life, but life reads. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but there, I, but there, there, there are some life reads. Bro, but I mean, bro, 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 I have my intuition. Yeah, yeah, life reads are real. But I have my intuition. My intuition tells me to do this. I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's something right. completely different. Yeah. yeah. Like, so there's a lot of people out there that try to make money off you by selling you a product that, as I said it before and I'll say it again, it just sounds better than it is. Right? If you if someone is trying to give you the magic key to like being successful at poker and he's going after it a completely different angle, you know, like that I, I want to say Doug does great stuff and uh, like he's all about the GTO and it being good and stuff and like that's good. And then someone else comes in and it's just completely trying trying to uh, 
sell his stuff to people who don't believe Doug just to make a quick buck of them. It's kind of obvious what is going on here. The guy's just trying to sell shit to people who don't know any better. Is there anything we can do to control it? No. Should you buy their stuff? Almost definitely not. So. Yeah. No, no fire shots at individuals here. <laughs> you can figure out who I was talking about. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you have it, guys. Um, I mean, that was not uh, surprising, of course, because, you know, um, yeah, GTO-based tools, it's the way to go. Uh, I mean, it's not just not all the way. I mean, but but in the end, what, what, I, what I also figured out is, and I've been speaking to some players, um, the other thing, not the, like the intuition thing, or I, I feel like doing this, on, but more that some live poker players, I give them a lot of credit for being just a good live poker player. For example, for having the capacity to sit for a freaking 12 hours at a poker table and being really ready on the, in the 12th hour and having the same energy up at that point. Um, for just basically being able to be focused and, and you know look at all the other players around the table um, for, for a long time and just observe and, and then see, you know, who, who might have, you know, so I'll certainly pick up on some, some tales or some inconsistencies, I would rather call them in people's yeah. behavior. And, uh, I think that's a, that's a big skill set, and you can't talk that way out of it. I think it's also not a, what do you think about Ensign's and Zwin? I think Ensign is a great example of, of course, a little bit survivorship bias. I think that can be talked away, but he does a lot of great stuff. I think in some cases where it's just also a lot of live poker stuff. I think it, I'm, that, I'm not familiar enough yeah. of his game. Yeah. You, I actually think you played pretty well on the final table. His hands were reasonable. Mm. He's also I mean, a poker player than anyone gives him credit for. It's just because he's, uh, he's much better poker player than anyone gives him credit for, from a technical perspective. Mm -hmm. Much better. Like he, he's pretty decent. And also, he's big on live reads, a lot of experience. Exactly that. I think he's a uh, the perfect example of of, of mixing. Like he hasn't done the same stuff. But he... in the main event, yeah. What? <laughs> I would have bought his action in the main event at pretty decent markup, certainly. Mm. There's, there's there's a couple of uh, players like that around, you know, which you you definitely are these uh, outliers um, who who pick up also these other skills than the solo. So I'm not like pure say, oh, but but in the end, I think doing the work is going to be the most important thing, and you cannot just hope. To be like them, I think that's that's a little bit of thing. You cannot hope to pick up these alternative skills, which also could make you a pretty good player, um, right. because chances are you're not. Like your your only good chances in poker, I think, are to do the work. Exactly. Um, you can't just hope to bink. You, you can't just hope to be a, a a good player and bink the main event, because that's that's honestly what just happened there. You know, Ensign's a good player, and he won the main event. It could have been random NL two hundred grinder. Winning the main event could have happened. Mm. Yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not impossible. Certainly, anyone who sits down can win. And uh, the better you are, the higher your chances are. Yeah, pretty simple as that. Yeah, just be just be a good player. Um, maybe last question. I think there's nothing more in the chat. How do you um, how how do you kept healthy throughout all these years? Like in poker, do you think it is a is a uh, tough? Thing to do, yeah. How do you mean that? As in, I think poker can be pretty unhealthy. Circadian rhythm, like uh, sometimes 
staying oh. being up late because of W Cube <laughs> and everything. I, I've tried quite a bit with it. What? Okay, my sleeping schedule is the worst. Uh, I try to eat fairly reasonable, although. To be honest, I had some ice cream yesterday, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the WCube crank, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just try to not go crazy, not eat too much candy, and I just, yeah, just, you know, I, I get a lot of sleep. I'm grateful that I don't have to wake up early in the morning after doing all these silly long sessions. Um, if you are looking for like top workout advice, I suggest you bring on literally anyone else. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I haven't had any health issues in my life. Plus also I'm doing the entire podcast standing. I believe I heard that's oh, good. Standing, standing desk is, is pretty good. I, I haven't used it for, for a while. I have a standing desk, but I'm not using it often enough. It's like kind of a habit thing, but I should do it more often. It's pretty good. I can't um, wait to sit down and grind some W coop though, so. <laughs> what? You cannot do it all the time, right? I have, to grind the, huh? I have 20 you minutes. But no, I'm, all I'm saying is like it's starting to get tough to just stand. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, who, who do you think should be my next guest on the Poker Player Podcast? Do you have anyone springs to mind? Just all over. Can pick anyone. Pick, pick somebody who would maybe say yes to, to jump on the show. Or like a, a player type, or who? You want a tournament guy? High stakes? Do you want a tournament guy or something? Get your Ingram. I asked him. He he didn't want. To, I mean, he didn't reply. He said no. What? No. They really? He doesn't, I, I don't think he wants to be interviewed. Like, I, I think I asked him like twice and I met him in Vegas. Maybe he's going to say yes in the future. Maybe if my channel is going to be bigger. I don't know, he doesn't want to yeah. jump on a podcast. Maybe it's also a little bit of a thing like he has a podcast, I have a podcast. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe in the future. That's It'll be fun. Get some PLO guys on. Get the, get, um, the guy who made the app on. I want to hear more about. Oh, uh, Rulas was here. He, uh, Matthias Rulas Poker. He was here. All right, I know what I'm going to listen to on the grind. Then. Sweet. Um, yeah. You can basically ask anyone you find interesting. I think everyone is super approachable. I don't think anyone's going to shut you down. I think people, certainly the high roller community, they're all, all about growing the game and we like to do everything that helps. So if you just reach out to anyone you, you find interesting. You know, I know Stefan's going to do it if you ask him. Mm -hmm. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah. Rainer would be interesting. Would be awesome. And if you need to get in touch with anyone, I'm happy to help. Thanks a lot. Right, uh, Christoph. For, uh, not Christoph, sorry, Joey for someone I really want to see. But, yeah. <laughs> okay. I so, mean, yeah, we would be super interested to do it. Um, all right. I mean, thanks for being my guest today on the Poker Player Podcast. Uh, um, this is going to be on iTunes as well. So if you're here on YouTube, I will be uploading that in the next few days. Um, as soon as possible, basically. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple of content up here uh, lined up. I want to make some videos this month about you know what is good for poker, what is bad for poker, picking up some topics, starting the conversation, a little bit of things that we've gone into and trying to um, yeah start uh, a movement uh, of people more thinking about poker and trying to do the right thing and not like, you know, shit on people winning at poker or, um, you know, trying to play their best and stuff. I think that's, that's like really important. And it's something I really care about. So this is one I want to do on, on this channel. So hope uh, that you're looking forward to that. And yeah, again, thanks for joining here. And I want to have you the last word. And yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks for having me, Andreas. It's been very fun, a bit longer than I thought, but yeah, no, hope you guys uh, enjoyed. And uh, yeah, again, thanks for having me. Uh, 
I hope we can uh, do exactly what you just said, because that would make the poker world a much better place. <laughs>